gets to the point where I almost miss those overwhelming weeks of comics. And then when one hits and I have no idea how to handle myself, I like eight comics that are X related in the stack plus infinity. That's insane. That might be maybe too many comics. Maybe too many for one week. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And it's never too many comics, says Justin. (laughs) Oh, well, as uh, (laughs) Justin mentioned, we have nine total comics to talk about today. We have one Digi and eight Tangies. Our one Digi is X-Men Unlimited, number 100, Then we've got X-Men, Days of Future Past, Doomsday, number two, Ghost Rider, Weapons of Vengeance, part two, Contest of Chaos, Iron Man, number one. Annual. Annual, number one, excuse me. Uh, Marvel Voices, X-Men, number one. Alpha Flight, number one. Uncanny Avengers, number one. Fall of X is killing us. We've got X-Men Red. Number 14, and Dark X-Men, number one. Wow, so many number ones, so many fresh starts, so many new things, new experiences, news, news things. (laughs) What What? a transition. Is it time to talk about the news? Oh, the news. News, 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 news. 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 I kind of was doing the Nickelodeon. News, 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 news. It's news. Yeah. Hey, it's the news. There's a... So we recorded... Late last week, but not as late as the episode went up. I was just having a lot of other things happen and Mm -hmm. needed some time to be able to edit the podcast. But the news that came out in that in-between time that we didn't even talk about, the editorial changeover that was announced. Oh, right. So Tom Brevoort, I believe that's how you say his name, Mm -hmm. will be taking over for X-Comics at some point next year. Interesting. It was a, they usually don't announce something like this this early. Yeah, it's very far in advance. Right? Well, and then there's the whole thing like while Jordan and the folks there finish up what they're working on now. And so that kind of looms a, a yeah. punctuation point at the end of whatever it is they're cooking. Probably not the end of the fall of X. It would be the end of the next arc after mm-hmm. that. Or that and an event maybe i don't know i don't know we don't know we don't know we only know what they tell us and they haven't told us anything it's not much you know there's a lot of reactions Mm -hmm. i don't know tom's work as an editor i also you know I, i think that the main importance is the writers pitching stories and whether that editor is of the ability to be able to help them thrive right right how do you set them how do you Work with them to select the best threads and to to work forward the things that fit into continuity and to traffic manage that with everything else across the line. Tom has been working for the Marvel like kind of heroes side for I think like twenty years or so. So he's he's been at Marvel for a long time, knows the continuity, knows the details, mm-hmm. not on the X Men side of things, which has its own continuity and details. Yeah, I mean, I guess that could be the concern that maybe there's. So much X-Men continuity that maybe fans want the security of someone they know they can trust with that amount of story. Sure. But when you're an editor for Marvel already, you know you're going to be kind of up on your stuff. And I'd, I'd say he has to have a broad knowledge of the Marvel Universe's yeah. 60 or so, 80 years, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. 
I think it's going to be okay. Obviously, we will miss Jordan. Yeah, really enjoy Jordan's work and what he does and, and the excitement that the team seems to have over what they're doing. I love the fall of X. I think mm-hmm. that it's been really great. Uh, not too sure about the reasons why the change. Yeah. The details behind or what's next in store for Jordan. But we will find out more information as time goes on. As time goes on. As time goes on, a war will brew in oh. the pages of Wolverine. Oh my goodness. The Sabre Tooth War. Ooh, the Sabre Tooth War. Is upon us soon I'm enough. Very excited for a this. A 10 part epic. So Two crazy. writers coming together. You have Benjamin Percy from Wolverine and X Force, Wolverine 2. <laughs> And Victor Laval from Sabretooth and Sabretooth of the Exiles. I think that is going to be amazing. Yeah. I, like, believe... I can't picture that not being good. Right, right. Well, and especially just their styles, what they've done, and two characters that they seemingly both love just working on it, jamming together, different chapters of these stories. That's I've read some of the details in the solicitation that these are different chapters, mm-hmm. uh, five for each. Oh, so I feel like it's giving X lives and deaths kind of tandem storytelling. I don't know if it'll be tandem stories or, you know, hopefully, obviously coming back together in the end. That's the the threat at the end of Sabretooth and the Exiles is that Wolverine's Mm. birthday is coming up and it's time to celebrate. The fact that it ends with Wolverine 50 is just perfect. That's That's, that's really nice. That's a good button. That'll be a big issue, you know, Mm -hmm. close out. 50 50 comics on a title is no small feat in today's age. Right. That's a lot. It's a lot. There's a new series of articles. It's a series of interviews relative to different titles on Marvel.com. X-Men Declassified. Basically, taking a title and saying, what are the things that you're confused about or need to know? Basically doing our job for us, Marvel. What are you doing? Come on, Marvel. Bring us in if you need it done. I read interviews with Ed Brisson about Alpha Flight, Steve Fox on Dark X-Men, and Jordan D. White talking Immortal and Fall of X as a whole. It was actually really interesting to hear those different perspectives. Ed talking about being Canadian and always loving Alpha Flight and dreaming of being able to write an Alpha Flight title and never knowing that that was going to happen. Steve, the pulling together of this very strange and different team. I love it. The fall of X of it all and Jordan talking about just what's going on with our mutants. Right. What is even happening here? Nobody knows specifically. The digital Hellfire Gala released before it normally would be on Marvel Unlimited. So normally they make you wait three months, which a lot of people have pointed out like, hey, you gave us the event comic, but now we're still missing the three months prior to it. So there's some jubs. Well, I mean, I think it's partially because so much of what is happening in the comics right now, whether it's X-Men comics or even other comics in the Marvel Universe, like we talked about Spider-Man having so many ties to it. Like, sure. I think they just want people to have that as a resource. Yeah, to be able to... want to jump in. Right. And also, hey, Fall of X just started. If mm-hmm. you liked the Hellfire Gala and where it's putting mutants in their new starting point, come along for the ride. Yeah. These so many titles. They're all miniseries. Yay. It's less intimidating. <laughs> Yay. It was the Marvel Unlimited like Infinity Comics version. Mm. And it was confirmed, I believe on Twitter, that if Marvel publishes a copy in that scroller style, that that is the style that it will be. Like it's not going to be 
in the legit copy that I want it to be. It's kind of upsetting. Yeah, that is upsetting. You know, speaking of articles on Marvel.com, mm-hmm. a slew of it. I, I'm not going through them all just because it seems as though they have taken bits and pieces that you need to know to understand the depth of continuity in our current comics and highlighted specific characters. So gimmick, Carmen. Mm-hmm. From Children of the Atom, getting a little Important to know gimmick, right? Captain Krakoa, where Ooh. this character has come from, this persona, a little dive into the free comic book day pages that aren't showing up anywhere, seemingly not even in Uncanny Avengers. I assumed that that you know that is just the free comic book day issue. That's it. That's it. You get it or you don't get it. They are releasing this. Just throwing this in there. I think it was like Marvel Comics Zero Number One, which is oh. a reprinted version of both free comic book day separate titles in one actual book oh not free so if you missed it or you want it for you know in a nicer version you can get it now but you have to pay for you it. you gotta pay for it you know you either get it for free on the day or you come back and you pay for it later it's like free cone day at ben and jerry's you know you can get free ice cream but it's just that one day right it's not forever genesis yes Apocalypse's wife, another story. Hey, did you did you read Ten of Swords? Do you know who this big scary who lady is? Genesis? Is? Right? Alpha Flight. Mm. Decades long history of Canada's premier fighting team. Wolverine and Ghost Rider, their previous crossovers. So this is not the first time that they have crossed over into each other's pages. Ooh. And Cable and Bishop's relationship. And that might have just been one that I missed last week as we were talking about Children of the Vault. There was a comic trailer featuring Emma and Tony blasting and uh, smooching. I know yeah, you saw that one. I, I know you saw, saw that it. image. I saw the oh. image. I saw the trailer. Uh, they're talking about them as a couple. They're the most explosive, dynamic, amazing Marvel couple to ever be a Marvel couple. The dynamic duo. I don't know how I feel about it. We'll see. I'm allowing myself to open up about it a little bit. It's slowly wearing you down. We'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. That's the most positive thing we've gotten on the subject. So there you go. Do you have any personal news? Oh, personal news. Well, my personal news just really stems around the fact that uh, the more that we get to do all these little house projects, the more we get to sort of find our nerd flourishes around the house my creation room is i got a bunch of pillows for the futon so i'm making that nice and cozy hanging up all my nerd bags around the house gonna hang some art up i mean it's it's just the last few weeks have really been a push for us to be getting stuff around the house done and that's really like that's the most exciting bit that's been happening you know (laughs) like we we beasted the removal of a fence. Yeah, yeah. We are opening up like our yard. We made we made a special little patio. Like all of that stuff is that's what I got. That's what personal news. No, I mean that's exciting stuff. Yeah. That that would potentially be my personal news, but I'm not gonna repeat the same thing that you said. So Ah, so what just are you gonna quickly say? move around and think, what did mm-hmm. I do on Monday? I went to and it made me think about it because Chasm is in the book, mm-hmm. Dark X-Men this week. I went to Purgatory Chasm, which ah. is a walk, a little hike through a chasm, through like a rocked, jutting walkway with mm-hmm. a friend of mine from way back, Ian. 
And we met up there and walked through nature. It was beautiful. It was really cool and just great times talking and hanging great out. Great times all around. Yeah. And then went to Treehouse Brewing Company, which is the best beer I've ever had in my life. So that's yeah. a free ad for Treehouse right there. They did not pay you to say this. You nope. just feel this way. They are welcome to if they'd like. Or I will just continue to free beer. patron their beers. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. There is a dwindling number in their fridge. and. <laughs> I am very particular about who I am sharing that with. <laughs> I spent entirely too much time moving stuff around last weekend to have like a little setup that I felt good about to play Dungeons and Dragons in the basement because mm. we had a we had a second session, a quest of sorts. I know, and I missed it. Yeah, but you were you were on your own side quest adventure. Yeah. You you still, side questing. You gained the level that you needed and. You know, we, the three of us realized that we are all support characters and that was a, a dangerous place to be in as the DM was like, yeah, your, your main characters are not here right now. Like, you know, Am I a main character? You are of sorts and Max Doubt is also a main character. Yes, yes. I, you know, I have main character energy if I wanted to, but I'm a support guy. Yeah. But you're good. But we need you. Like if without you, we die. Yeah, and I'm a tank. Oh, I love yeah. it. I love my character so much. And the more I learn about spells and and things that he can do, the more excited I am about yeah. like layering things that you can. I can make spikes come out of the ground so people get damage as they walk through it, and then I can also grab them with a thorn whip and pull them through it. Oh gosh! Yeah, combo moves for days. Oh man! Watch out! We have a pole. A pole. To bring it back to X-Men news. You know, oh. four comics in this poll. Alpha Flight, Uncanny Avengers, X-Men Red, and Dark X-Men. The order that they are in in our review. Who won this poll? Ooh, Dark X-Men. Dark X-Men won the poll. What percentage? It's the first time I think X-Men Red's lost a poll? I'm going to say... 62%. That's a, that's a big one. 42%. All right. Because there was four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. X-Men Red definitely came in second. Yep. Followed by Uncanny Avengers, followed by Alpha Flight. You got it. You got it. You got it. It was actually pretty neck and neck between Dark, Uncanny, and Red early on in the poll. It was the closest the poll had ever been in a three-way t- uh, like kind of lead off, which was really interesting. You're sniffing the comics right now, and I'm trying to just read through whatever's in my head and soldier on, but you're not making any... good. You're not reacting to me saying things at all. You're just continuing to sniff the comics, and I don't know, should I have not commented on it? No, tell everyone. I'm sniffing the comics. I'm not ashamed of it. nothing else to go to. We got a couple of general questions. Mm. JP Didomasso... Wondering, this is more of a, a magic question in general, but doesn't she know magic? Can't she use that to make portals? I think that is a question that I've heard a few people bring up, right? and I, I feel like she should be able to. However, I don't think the story would work that way. Well, sure, right? You know, the God of the Machine, you don't want to give them the answer easily. You want mm-hmm. them to, to struggle and work for it. I don't know if she has all those spells memorized, right? Most sorcerers consult books of of spells and how to spell cast i also went through a couple of websites that list kind of the the depths of her sorceress magic Mm -hmm. magic and teleportation is not on that list of things that she could do I'm, i'm not saying it's outside of things that she could learn maybe it's just something that she's not put effort towards because always having the stepping discs i remember yeah that 
that makes sense to me. Like, why would I learn teleportation when I already have that as an ability? But I why feel I like take up a spell slot when I already have free magic from for my her. Character. It's not like Dungeons and Dragons. Sure it is. Um, but I feel like I remember reading something someone posted during the whole Hellfire Gala issue where they were saying like she specifically learned this spell. I think from Doctor Strange. Yep. So I get that question, but yeah, I guess my answer would be well why does she need to know that when she's got you know stepping discs sure right it's a valid question though valid question and maybe we'll see something about that in realm of x when it premieres Mm. we'll we'll see we'll see captain two michael wondering when we'll have a new pet heroes book we now have a wolverine pet i mean as jonathan has been a part of it you also have have jeff the land shark you have I, i saw the Sabretooth Infinity comic where mm. he's playing with Gambit and Rogue's cats. Yeah. And, well, not really happily playing. They are following him around because they're very impressed with his cat-like awesomeness and scaring <laughs> off snakes and wolves and things like that. It was kind of delightful. Sounds like it would be an adorable comic. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're here for it, Michael. Loki's Son 22 coming out and asking, which was your favorite book? Dark X-Men. Dark X-Men. Yeah, I mean, sorry, but I, I loved... <laughs> Honestly, I loved them all. Yeah. I was pleasantly surprised by the ones that I was unsure of. Agreed. Yeah, there were definitely ones where I was like, oh, I'm not sure about this. But then I enjoyed every issue this week. Mm. But Dark X-Men. Dark X-Men. Yes. Hands down. All right. So we're talking books. Yeah. We're going to go into X-Men Unlimited. And I think over these next handful, some kind of abbreviated thing just so we can move through all of the content that we have yes we have a lot to talk about and we're only doing it in one episode so it's going to be a little a little high level what are you calling it now worth Worth mentioning mentioning. it's to to cut to the bits that we need to bring forward yes x-men unlimited number 100 this was teased as a big thing happening to spotlight the characters that had gone into the x-men vote Mm -hmm. now we see that it takes place before they all brutally were killed yes pre-vote necessary for storytelling you know you can't really tell too many stories with bag of bones and some blood oh sad yep yep a bag of bones (laughs) broken sunglasses and you know some dazzler shards oh my god nigh invulnerable means nearly invulnerable sam Sorry. Well, he wasn't even blasting. He was just standing. He was like, "Yeah." If I was, if I was him, I'd always be blasting. Oh, geez. Anyway, Prodigy. Anyway, Prodigy is the central character in this comic as he reconnects with what was his name, Jeffrey. Yeah. So basically, there's a mutant who is resurrected and is struggling with this idea that all of these memories have been implanted in their mind and they don't have any of the feelings or experiences to go with them and also just feels like a void like it was a list essentially that was in input and there's not feeling it's like reading the wikipedia page of the last 20 years of history right right? because it was also a a lot of time that they weren't alive it wasn't just you know here's a recap since you're your last save point. It's like yeah. your last save point was a long time ago and you're in a world that is completely different from yours. And so I thought that this was a really fun thing and a, a cool idea of saying, listen, I'm going to go around. I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to ask them about their feelings. I'm going to ask them silly little quips and mundane stories and 
give you the download of a day in the life of Krakoa or some fun stories or some feelings to go along with all of that information. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then download that into your brain so maybe you feel a little bit more complete, which I think is is an important factor in, you know, resurrection should it ever come back. Sure, right, right. Because that's the other thing about this is, all right, we're talking about the wrinkles in resurrection that we have access to still, Will question mark. Will we do that again? We have hope somewhere. We have hope that we might have it back, but uh, unconfirmed, unconfirmed. Unconfirmed. So Jeffrey Garrett was the character mm. who had died in New X-Men Volume 2, Number 7, back in 2004 and does not have a mutant power listed mm. so we'll see all right well they've been resurrected and that's that and uh you know we did check in with a handful of the other oh is it teleporter oh cool we did check in with a handful of the other contestants or the other nominees and you know they're the ones who kind of offered their little anecdotes yep so, Along with some other just who's who's around the island, you know, Kate and Emma making an appearance, Forge mm -hmm. being there, and the promise of having Cannonball take center stage for the next issue. So that's exciting. I wonder what Cannonball will bring to this, basically celebrating the island before it died. You know? Right. <laughs> Writers Steve Fox and Stephanie Williams, artist Noemi Vittori, colorist Pete Panzhansis, Letters, Travis Lanham. This is Travis Lanham. I feel like this is a way for Infinity Comics to still say light and fun in the fall of X. So yes. we're just going to talk about pre-gala. Right, right. We're just going to live in that space where none of it happened and everybody's still alive. And, you know, maybe we'll figure out where they are and we'll come back to happy stories on the other side. Are you ready to talk Days of Future Past? Doomsday number two. Yeah, Doomsday number two. I mean... I, as you know, didn't really love the first issue of this story, but I actually... Has that changed? Yeah, I actually really enjoyed this issue. I liked... I, th I Maybe it's because of the way that this felt like it was more immersed in the world of, like, pre-Kitty going back, and it was more about, like, the world as a whole, and I felt like a part of the story versus the first one felt a little bit more like... Recaps. Yeah. 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 Well, the first one was really setting the time mm -hmm. and also starting to explore the fact that this is a time period otherwise not really detailed, right? So this is right. an alternate universe. This is Earth 811 where we're leading towards what happens in the Days of Future Past storyline. And the bits are really in this one. There are a couple of things that I particularly appreciated in this issue because of how they connect to some things that we already know about mm. continuity. One of the, if not the first appearances of Rachel Summers in the 616 continuity references this experience that she has in the mansion as it's being attacked. The page oh. of Xavier actually being shot with the blam is from New Mutants number 19, I believe. Bill Sienkiewicz is the artist, Chris Claremont, the writer, depicting that assault on the mansion and the fact that they take Rachel and the last page reveal with the cover for issue three is what I'm even more excited about the hound suit and the kind of oh, terrible yes. treatment that Rachel went through. You know, it's, it's awful to see, but also connects to her story and why 
collars and things of that nature are so triggering to her ah. because of the control put on her by Ahab, who is even given this story moniker and then looking just like Ahab as he's coming to say, no, 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 I want to keep this one. Like, mm. super creepy. Super creepy. And, you know, we get a little a little tie-up of Jean's arc from the, the issue before and her funeral and sort of the tension still between Xavier and his students and Magneto and, and Charles still saying, like, you know, something you can count on in every timeline is, is Charles saying, it's okay. Right. Let Magneto be Magneto. He's just going to be as the mutants are essentially picked off one by one to a degree. The new mutants almost all decimated, uh, except for Doug, for some reason, was on the X-Men mission. Yeah, because the X-Men were gone, and that is Distracted why. Distracted while the mansion was under attack. and uh, Sentinel literally crushing Bobby. Yeah. I do like the the happy note that we end with the last happy day as Piotr and Katya. Yes, yeah, because first the X Men have to come back to find all of the children dead, and then they have to say, "Well, this is the last thing that we can do. We can we can have a happy moment, and we can marry each other." And right. I don't know. I thought it was interesting. The like, I'm older than you, and it's like not that much older, and it doesn't matter because the world's falling apart. Yeah, we're making it okay. Yeah, I, I like this title primarily because I love this time period and how well it's playing between what we know and what we could accept as having happened based on what we know happens on the other side. Like mm. we knew most of the X-Men were dead already in Days of Future Past by that cover, the first right. cover of Uncanny 141, this slain, apprehended, slain, deceased, whatever, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. And Wolverine and Catherine in right. front of it, right? Uh, but then everything else just... Kind of getting to play in that space. You have you have a a range of time that you can fill in the details. How did we get from point A to point B? What were the steps, and how did it build up these villains that then exist in that dark future? Yeah, and the thing that I liked a lot about this is that because there is sort of already this known skeleton of what this story is or what the world is at this point i really liked the pacing and that like it's moving years at a time and we're not seeing just day at a time so we're getting like little summaries story highlights of days at a time going uh years at a time going forward and then you know there have to be so many more years because kitty and colossus end up having children so we've got to get all the way to that point and this is only five issues correct yeah, four or five. I think so, five. Yeah. We only have three more. So you know we're going to be following this trajectory of like bouncing through the years. Which... Oh, we're, we're just going to keep on bouncing. <laughs> bouncing left and right. Faster and faster. I'm Red X Baby. We'll never feel sad for X-Men who die in Doomsday. Eric warned you and now you're dying. Ooh. I mean, he did. Yeah. But he does have a little remorse in this issue, I think. For sure. I mean, he also always warns you. So right. <laughs> is, is it never to be sad like he's always been hey they're gonna come for us they will kill our children that's what they do they're humans well i think this is cool too this title page right because sure, right. this is the this is the cover and now we've got phoenix slain mm-hmm. but we don't have labels on anyone else yet so we know that in the last issue gene died but now coming back right in this issue kurt dies so and Ilyana and amanda sefton yeah yeah so Bobby. I, i'm interested to see like as this title page builds hmm. who gets cut off the list 
So there you have it. Perfect excuse to do the credits because we're at the title page. This was written by Mark Guggenheim, pencils by Manuel Garcia, inks by Cam Smith, colors Yen Nitro, letters Clayton Coles. VCs Clayton Coles. Jeff Shaw and Edgar Delgado on the cover. I'm excited for issue three. I just, you know, it's it's a legend story. Yeah. But in a different way. You know what I wasn't expecting? To like Ghost Rider? Yeah, right? This is this is probably my first legit Ghost Rider issue. Mm. And I guess I guess maybe the first one was like the 1991 crossover in X-Men, Adjectiveless X-Men, where it's probably the first one on the list of that Wolverine and Ghost Rider article about their previous crossovers. Ah. Where... Yeah, yeah. So I, I actually really liked this issue as well. I mean... We're carrying on. We've got Bram. We're getting a bit of a more of an understanding that, you know, Bram did these things in the past and Wolverine and Ghost Rider were responsible for trying to hunt him down then and then he sort of just disappeared and now he seems to be working for Orcus yeah, and yeah. taking mutants. down mutants and, you know, just gonna go to a baseball game, find a mutant, and slaughter him in the bathroom. Yeah, so while the first issue was really centered in the past and the histories of these two characters, this one moves it up into the present more. Still some flavors of the past to help to give us more backstory mm-hmm. for why they're together or what they're fighting, who they are. I thought as a primer for Ghost Rider, these two issues in succession have done a really good job yeah, of telling me, okay, sure. this is his motivation. This is the uncontrollability of the other self within him that comes when there's too much innocent blood spilled and the number of things that he's trying to do. And and feeling the connection, right? Because we've gotten the spirit of variance with Banshee sure. and, and that kind of idea that that spirit sort of completely took over Banshee and he didn't have the ability to tap into his own self as much. Right. And this we're seeing kind of the ability to go back and forth, but when the rider wants something, the rider takes over and that is what it is. The rider gets what the rider wants. Yeah. Um and and knowing, okay, like these two are on the trail and they seem to keep getting there too late. And so now they're just going to disguise themselves as part of the forensic team sure, so right. they can find out more. Steal into the evidence. And we got to... We, we get Jeff Bannister in this, which sure. is really fun. Right. So if you didn't know it was relevant to current continuity, there you go. That's the big... CIA connection right there and the fact that we're tying into Orcus at the end with this last page highlight of the Weapon Plus Hellfire program something that's been building in the arcs of Ghost Rider Mm -hmm. these projects that they've been doing on this this area that is a connection point to other things things of damnation yes I did really enjoy the fact that Ghost Rider downloaded the information from the guy and forcibly uploaded it to Wolverine and Wolverine hated it. He was like, next time, just tell just, me about just it. Just tell me it. Just just talk me Do through. not fry my brain. I really like the art in this. I think mm-hmm. it's really good backstory for everybody and the details on Johnny that we get. Just excited by the cover of the next issue plus to be back on the mutant side of things even more than what we've previously been even though this was pretty mutant relative. I really also like the art and the colors in the throwback pages where we're getting Wolverine in his yellow and blue suit. Yeah. I thought that was, it pops so nicely. Um, 
the the one other thing I will say is, you know, when we go and we visit the orphanage and we're trying to get sort of the backstory information, we want to see the files, we want to know what's up about Bram, we're doing our undercover investigation, and we find this child is like being held in this naughty room with yeah. all these daggers and blades. This is it's terrifying. Like, how do you not... I like how does this play into why Bram is the way he Ooh, is, or right. where the demon inside him was coming from? Because he was staying in this place where clearly children were not treated well. So, sure, right? Or, or did this like, happen afterwards? Right. Or, or, or where did this? Mm, right? Yeah, like as a reaction this is, this is to however many years after, right? I'd assume around twenty years or so, based on Bram's relative age that we see him in the couple times that we've seen him. Yeah. But, you know, we've, we, we're getting hints at some big things. And I like that now I'm feeling the tie to what's going on because we've got Orcus involvement. So we know Orcus has got their hands in yet another dirty, dirty deed. Always get their hands in the cookie jar. The colors and the, the scratchiness of mm. the art. like it, it feels like it really matches the tone of Ghost Rider, even though I don't really know the tone previously. Yeah, so we've got our title page here. Ghost Rider, Weapons of Vengeance. Part two, Demonology. Written by Benjamin Percy, art by Jeff Shaw. Colors, Rain Barreto. Letters, Travis Lanham. He sees Travis Lanham. Ryan Stegman, J.P. Meyer, and Marte Gracia on that wild cover of them fighting each other. I love it. And or hugging in some strange formation. They're fighting. Yeah. Are you ready for the one-sided matchup of our lives. What do you mean the one-sided matchup of our lives? Storm should have easily wiped the floor with Iron Man. Well, yeah, but she didn't. And, but I mean, and that might just be because I'm a Storm fan, right? Yeah, and well, I'm, who isn't? Right, sure, exactly. And, you know, I'd imagine if you apply Batman logic to Iron Man, that he's just he's wealthy well, and intelligent and plans ahead and, and would have tricks up his sleeve yeah, for various lightning nullification. Sure, I mean he's insulated his suit to be able to fight other things that would otherwise unrule him or rule him out because of the fact that he's in an iron suit. All right. Well, we've got Contest of Chaos Iron Man Annual number 1. I don't think we talked about the first one. So this no. is the second issue. Last week was the first one, and that was the Spider-Man annual where Spider-Man and Wolverine were similarly pulled into an alternate dimensional area and pitted against each other with some manipulations from outside spirits. So the, the fact that Agatha is doing some dirty magic in the shadows, trying to create her own version of the dark hole, trying to harness the dark chaotic energies of Chathan. Yes, and, and it seems that Storm and Tony have been pulled here by hearing the voices of things in their past that haunt them their regrets their sorrows their past foes and which really made me like this issue because of how connected it was mm. to each character's backstory to kind of dance through what they've had going on in their lives and why they're so triggered by these accusations from the the crystal spirits, the things that are manipulating their tensions. It was also really fun and interesting to follow Jason Liu on social media and how excited he is about bringing this issue to life and to, to see that it exists, being able to write Storm being such a big deal for him that he didn't realize that it would come so soon in his career working at Marvel. Yeah, I mean, it's a great issue. It's visually great. I like the connection, too, between... 
the two of them and their relationship with T'Challa and that being kind of a, a <laughs> linking point for their stories to connect. And yes. it's cool visually to see the moments where they're seeing other people, they're battling other people in their mind, but they're actually physically fighting each other. So I think in that sense, maybe that's why we didn't get the battle that you were imagining, Storm sure, v. Iron sure, Man, sure. because they don't think that they're fighting each other. They think that they're fighting these other things. And, and for histories. some of them, yeah, people that they've loved. So they're not going to go all out with full force because they don't want to completely destroy these people. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Shout out to David Cutler on art. Ooh, I just, I love his work. We've seen in a number of other things. He was the artist in Giant Size Thunderbird as well as that issue of with uh, Moon Girl and the hippo masks and the high evolutionary that mm. came out well, like a year or so ago. I, I yes. love this panel of Storm in the cavern with yeah. the lightning swirling all around her. I think that's so awesome. There are so many great ones. Yeah, this is a great battle. And then we have the post-credit little backup that does give us some context from the part one. So at the end, when Wolverine was taken because he won the contest, Spider-Man goes to Jessica Jones. Hey, I got to figure this out. I don't know what's going on. So this, a couple people have asked, what is this story? How does it relate? What does it relate to? So Contest of Chaos started in Scarlet Witch. I think it was in the annual of Scarlet Witch. Mm -hmm. Was then out of that story where Agatha was coming through even actually if you go further back midnight suns where she came into her yes. currently younger form and now she's on a quest for this dark magic and so what she's doing seemingly is pitting heroes against each other to then take the winner and move them under her control and the mutants are coming out and they're winning so that's two for two on the mutant side wolverine and storm being the victors yes and I my favorite moment I think from this sort of post credit scene vibe is him Spider Man being like how did you know how did you <laughs> yeah, find right. that out and Jessica Jones is I like googled I googled it, it. I googled heroes fighting each other he's like oh oh all right um, no that's good but I also really like the art in this um, oh I yeah just love a good the ability to change the shape of Spider Man's eyes to really Emote. get across his emotions yeah yeah. His it's, confusion. It's really wonderful. Yeah. The smack no, in the I face with Googled the squinty eyes. Yes, yeah. yes. And the fact that Clea comes in at the end to know and tell us, no, we need to look into some dark energies. Yes. So this issue is Iron Man Annual number one. Contest of Chaos Part 2, written by Jason Liu, art by David Cutler, colors Brian Valenza, letters Joe Caramagna. VCs Joe Caramagna. Francisco Mana and Jordi Belair on the cover. I think there's also a separate team on the backup story, The Connector. I think that's when Stephanie Williams is writing and Alberto Albuquerque, I want to say. I'm just guessing as I'm flipping through the pages. Alberto Fochi ah, on art with Raul Angulo on colors and... Nobody listed his letters, so I'm, I'm assuming it's Joe. Joe's carrying through the whole book. That VCs, baby. Joe. Vaderino is unconvinced that Tony Stark can stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with Modern Storm. Major side-eye. And I think that's, you know, that's the train that I'm on as well. Uh, Storm is been kicking it left and right. 
up on a Rocco in, in the Circle Siege Perilous, whatever it is. Yes, yes, I agree. But like I said, I just don't think she was going at this full force. I think she's right. sort of like, even if she was faced with Tony in this situation, I feel like she's sort of like, ha, ha, oh, Anthony. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And the banter back and forth mm. about the Avengers not being there for us and, oh, you actually care or... Like, I'm claustrophobic. I'm not a child. I don't right. need to hold your hand as we're going through. Like, it no, was a no, lot that's of, for me. I yeah, want yeah. you to hold my hand for me. There's just a lot of character sass mm-hmm. and, and just well, well voiced for these characters and yes. their backstories. I felt yeah. like that was really, really good job. I agree. Speaking of voices. Ooh, Marvel voices X-Men number one. Right. So this is... They've done voices issues, right? Normally around an identity. So you'll have LGBTQ in June. You'll have Comunidades in Mm -hmm. mid-September into October for uh, Hispanic Heritage Month. Identity-based. But this is the second that I've seen. One was for Spider-Man voices. Now this is X-Men voices where you kind of collect all those folks and focus them on one type of narrative. So this is a collection of creators, writers, artists, colorists, etc., who are all representative of different backgrounds and heritages and orientations, sharing their love for these characters and the stories that are impacting them. Often many of these stories dealing with love and race and mm-hmm. identity in various different ways. Yeah, so we've got... This is an anthology. We've got a bunch of little stories. We're getting some thievery with Gambit. A little game night oh. or date night. That the the callback to their first date that was so, so emotional. So cute. So like Gambit's like, oh, I gotta go back to the thieves guild because what I need to get in my motorcycle rogue so we can go out here. I saved your dress from our first date. So cute. Yeah. So precious. We have Emma and Jean doing a team building. So this is set in the early days of the Krakoan era, trying to get the Quiet Council to to work together. I want to see the version of this that's sinister and Exodus off doing carnival games. Yes. That's the that's the comic I want to see because that would be ridiculous. Carnival games and, and the rules are you can't use your mutant powers, but then a giant teddy bear kind of gives them a run for their money and they have to. They they have to. Um, Solemn and Kobach never held learning oh. how to celebrate pride the Krakoan way. Learning how to celebrate pride and learning that they kind of have a thing for each other. Kobach doing big things this week in yes. terms of the, the romance department. Yes, yes. We're, we're getting, Arako's getting called out on not being inclusive, on not allowing these sorts of things and shaming love is love and all of that. And then. Well, sure. I mean, they shame everything that's not war. Right. So. And that's kind of the, the call out and. Then the two go off and Iceman is just sort of left there alone. By the bar, you know, wondering where Romeo is. Speaking of Iceman, he is fighting against Storm in an all-out battle with some great displays of their power, some callbacks to previous times that they have matched up, and just some great jokes, too. Because mm-hmm. that you always love to see two Omegas go into this fight like this. Yes, for sure. Jubilee and Yoriko, Lady Deathstrike, in this mall rescue. Yes, gotta save her aunt. Uh, Jubilee's aunt is is sort of stuck in a sticky crime situation, so we're gonna get her out of it, and we're just gonna trade 
Lady Deathstrike's arm right? in the process. I love that Jubilee doesn't call her Lady Deathstrike. She calls her Yuriko. Yes. And we're kind of like reclaiming the identity of Yuriko to be someone that's not that name. It's only the cybernetically enhanced villains that call her Lady Deathstrike, mm. which I think is kind of interesting. Then we've got Mystique and Destiny just having a difficult time with the, their brotherhood. And You're, You know, it's, it's basically be gay, do crimes, but also don't compromise morals as they're talking about why they would never work on the side of Charles Xavier. You know, we just, we don't do that. We're just here for us. We have each other's backs and we're doing what we need to, to usher our people forward. Right. And, and Mystique is, you know, kind of saying, it's not just that I'm a mutant. It's also that I'm blue. Right, right, You know, right. that's, that's a I big a point mutation. for her. She's, she's bringing up and, and I just love a good, Destiny Mystique, just casual love moment. Yeah, well, especially a classic love moment, too. Like, this is before Destiny's resurrection. It also kind of tees up this idea the X Men Blue, Mm. the one shot that'll come out in a handful of months with Nightcrawler and Mystique kind of delving into their history and backstory. And then our final story is a little uh, jaunt down memory lane. Just a Charles Xavier photo album moment. You know? Taking I love a look. Loved seeing these different art pages of all the teams. Mm-hmm. This was so cool. We got different moments. We got battles. We got selfies. We got bubblegum pops. We got chess games, basketball games. There's no baseball in here, though. There's volleyball, basketball, swimming, chess, rock concerts. What well, looks like maybe they're playing Monopoly at one point. There's no baseball. You know, clearly we need to go through what it means to be an X-Man because baseball is critical to that identity. Yeah. Now, this was lovely. I thought it was a ton of fun. Yeah, the character file at the end of yeah, Dust. The, the, the Orcus character file on Dust felt very out of nowhere in sure. this book for me. Well, you want to talk about voices. You want to talk about identity. Dust is the character that I think fits in all of that. And then teeing them up to take a role in Realm of X. I just thought it was interesting that they would include that in that style. I almost didn't even notice it at first that, no, no, Dust is making an appearance. Yes, in Realm of X next week. Mm. Ooh, next up on the Marvel Voices. Avengers, nobody cares. Well, that's rude. (laughs) Nobody does. Maybe some people do care. (laughs) Okay, cool, great, good for you. Anyway, the fun little update stories. I just thought that it was a, a great change of pace from the doom and gloom of everything else, which don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I love slashing through that doom and gloom with swords and, and badass ladies. I live for it. But these character stories are a vital part of the big picture world. It's just getting insight into the thoughts, lives, and loves of the universe makes it all feel so much more real. And I love this as a, a concept for voices as well to kind of take this mismatch of characters all with one umbrella right and so you know you're getting mutant stories here Mm -hmm. yeah i thought it was great it was a lot of fun all the stories were were wonderful i loved them it's a it's a long list of writers artists colorists letters editors people involved so we had a couple of questions for a few marvel voices stories barusu 33 wonders can we just ship emma and gene together instead jk not jk dot 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 question mark mm, i mean you can ship whoever you want <laughs> i'm not, not alicia's not a fan no i mean they're they're definitely friends yeah i like them as that. friends we see that which 
doesn't Gal get a whole doesn't get a whole lot of detail otherwise it's just kind of like the the triangle relationship the, mm-hmm. the kind of everybody's fighting over scott Ugh. no good comics favorite marvel voices story was evil mutants so the destiny mystique one so good art story and message 100 percent. i agree yeah i think that was one of my favorite as well Vitorino with the pro tip, read this last. It was so positive and upbeat. And these stories taking place during happier times just felt good and reminded me of the good old days of a few weeks ago, (laughs) which I think was just hilarious that, yeah, there were much happier times fearing the fall before the fall hit us in the face and killed everybody. (laughs) They're not dead, Justin. Are you ready to talk Alpha Flight number one? Yeah, sure. Alpha Flight number one. I think we might go a little slower, but maybe not even not, as slow as normal. Not too right? much slower. We got a lot to talk about. <laughs> still have four still more full four comics. Four more yeah, comics yeah, yeah. Right. to go through. Three of them number one, so they're a little bit extra size. Yeah, that was my other qualm with this week. I was like, what's with all... Okay, eight comics, and then we got annuals, we got an anthology, we got number ones. It's a lot of pages, people. Yeah. But let's let's... Let's do this, you know, a little bit more in the normal way of running things. How do you feel about this cover? It's kind of cool. The divide between the team and the mutants, this kind of separation. I had no idea what to expect with this title. Right. No, me either. Honestly, I'll be upfront. I wasn't really looking forward to it. I've never really been much of a fan of Alpha Flight. Uh, and that might just be my lack of knowledge. I only couple of times that I've read them are the... The Asgardian Wars mm. and a couple other crossovers with X-Men. I, I just never really collected the classic run. All right. Well, here we go. Page turn noise. I do like this moral dilemma that the team is going through as they are charged with capturing and bringing in mutants, rogue yes. mutants in Canada. So the, to take the story that's going on in the USA, the fact that they have outlawed mutants, which I think is ridiculous, but to adopt mm-hmm. that also across the Canadian border and say, no, we need to outlaw mutants. It's unsafe for the general public to have these weapons of mass destruction walking the streets. Bigotry, bigotry, bigotry. Fascist, fascist, fascist. Mm-hmm. And let's just throw them in a box and kick them into space. Yes, so... Alpha Flight is basically gearing up for their public announcement of being on the side of this decision that they're going to work to help keep the streets safe for mutants. And there are some people in the crowd who don't love that. Well, this guy with the coffee cup right in Guardian's face. Just tosses it in his face. He's being arrested and Guardian is like, listen, I'm not pressing charges. And they're like, but it was hot coffee. He's like, sure. I, don't, I don't care. Right. Okay, it's fine. Tensions are high right now. I do like the art style. Mm. You want to talk about the art just because it, it feels feels like the 90s. I don't know why. It, it just has the the sharp lines and the kind of the colors that pop a little bit. Mm, I do agree. I like the art. Which takes us to our title page, Alpha Flight, On Guard for Thee. Divided We Stand, Part 1, written by Ed Brisson, art by Scott Godlowski, Colors, Matt Miller. Letters, Travis Lanham. BC's Travis Lanham. Leonard Kirk and Edgar Delgado on the cover. Leonard Kirk from Sabretooth miniseries. Ooh. The Box Program. Yes, so not only are we working with the government in an anti-mutant way, but we're also working with Sentinels and, you know. Roger Box Jr., 
this guy that worked with his father to help develop these sentinels that respond to his thoughts to, to be able to override in case they get a little rowdy. Uh, yeah. I mean, I feel what I'm getting the sense is that a lot of the members of Alpha Flight have conflicting thoughts about what it is they're doing. I mean, it's been brought up to them in that rally situation that there were mutants once on their team. Sure. So yeah. it seems a little rude. Good friends, long, long history with mutants. And I mean, do we want to rip the Band-Aid off and reveal the end twist? Or are we, are we saving that? No, okay, great. But, but they're being convinced and sort of forced to just move forward. This is the plan. And don't worry, I promise these robots won't go rogue on you. Promise. That's never going to happen. Wink, wink. Winkity wink. Let's go to California. What's happening in California? There is Dr. Lucas Peterson is a mutant working on Orcus Tech being found and persecuted. So what we're learning about him is that he's leading a double life. He He's changed who he is. He's got a new identity. He's trying to forget that he's a mutant. And so... He's got this job, he's living this life, and Orcus has found out. You're right. a mutant, and we're coming for you. And he explodes his mutant fireball power. He kind of has armor vibes, honestly. It looks just like armor, but just on fire. And jumps out a window and, and runs away. And we'll catch up with him in a little bit. We do find out in a data page later on that this is Feedback, who is from the original run of Alpha Flight. Mm. Great little detail. Now we're back in Canada, and the team, Alpha Fight, has been called to take care of a mutant who's running rampant in the streets. But it turns out that this mutant is really just trying to get away. Trying, trying to Trying to save themselves, and they just, they don't want anything to do with it. Argent is their name, and I feel like this is the, the line, right? Where are you preventing damage, or are you causing damage by persecuting and trying to collect these people who are just trying to live their lives? As we head into our square off of the next few pages, the mutant team versus the Alpha Flight team. Yes. And the mutant team takes them down. Yeah, not only does the mutant team take it down, but everybody in the streets sees it and records it on their camera phones. So Alpha Flight's not... Got a good look going for them right now. <laughs> uh, I love when Akiro comes in mm. and he's like, I have you short stuff on Puck. He's like, Dakin, uh, it's Fang now. That sounds dumb. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's cool. And to see these characters, these three specifically, you know, I don't know who Nemesis is right now. Uh, I don't know. Ni nobody on the other side seems to, and we'll see if that actually holds up in issue two. But Northstar, Aurora, and Fang all having pretty prominent roles in Krakoan era and you know through the different titles that they've been on mm. kind of interesting to see them all come together in this formation to to work for the people that they are from that country yes I agree and then we're back with our mutant on the run who's contacting his family having a conversation and it's the the classic I love you I just want to make sure you're all right come home to find out that Orcus is actually there and tracing the call the wife is tapping the line yes. working with Orcus to rat out the husband who's on the run you know that's definitely going to come back this tense conversation with department H boss what's her name 
Erica, Erica Doran. Yeah. Who is the, the woman that's been leading the public face of Alpha Flight. And she's kind of yelling at her team for being ridiculed in the streets, not being able to complete their mission and detain the mutant that they were after. And we find... Because you can't do it yourself. Right. We're bringing the Sentinels in. I love Krakoa North. Mm. I just love the name. I love the vibe. So this is where all the rescued mutants are hanging out. The big reveal on the last page as the Alpha Flight team comes through the door and it's said that we're actually all working together and they're going to find us out. We don't need we don't need that. We need to get these mutants out of here and out to Chandelar. So what we're saying is they're doing some really good acting in the streets. Right, right. Oh no, the mutants beat us. Darn it. How could this happen? It's a twist. What is a What's our Krakoan say for our next issue? I, I was thinking about it the other day when I was reading the comics and I was like, oh, I get to ask that question again more regularly. How about that Krakoan? What's that Krakoan say, Justin? Divided We Stand Part 2. Ooh, Part so, 2. This was Divided We Stand Part 1. Mm. This was much better than I was expecting. Yeah, I honestly. really enjoyed it. I, I Likely my least excited about title of The Fall of X, but overall was interesting enough to add a new thread and threat to the story while checking in on... Not only a legacy team, but a handful of fan favorites from Krakoa. Yeah, and I like that, you know, you think about Alpha Flight and you think about the Avengers and you think about how they are super-powered people who are looked up to and we're getting this idea that all super-powered people are sort of banding together, but we're seeing it from two different perspectives. We're seeing it from the Avengers who are very clearly saying no we stand with mutants where alpha flight is trying this other angle where we're gonna help them on the down low but we're gonna they're trying to do the og x factor method where they're trying to be public facing anti-mutant and but really they capture the mutants and help them on the side which i don't know is the best choice because it fuels the public sentiment to be anti-mutant right so that's the big part hurting the cause as you're helping the cause and it's un clear if that is really producing any forward momentum i mean there you're gonna have someone on that team right so this woman is going to recruit a team of people to hunt down mutants Mm -hmm. maybe it's better to be on the inside it just these are the people that are the symbol of canada right so to say that they are pro anti-mutant which is a weird sentence to say Mm -hmm. is not a great pr move captain to michael so at the end of Alpha Flight, they're good guys, which, yeah, so they're, they're working that double agent life. They're trying to do what they can on the inside by posing as the bad guys on the outside. I guess the real question is, are they double-double crossing? Uh, that'd be too convoluted. I, I hope, I hope not. It. I hope not. Mandu Mutata wondering, am I into Alpha Flight? I think I'm into <laughs> Alpha Flight. Do I like this book? There was a number of people that were like, I, this was much better. This was not what I was expecting. This is just surprising, which we love to hear, yeah. right? And especially you picked it up to try it out because Fall of X, you know, the fever, the hype, the right, what's right. going You're on. Like, oh, do I got to read all these titles? Do I want to read all these titles? Yeah. The Pikachu catching on to something that I was picking up as well. We're moving mutants to Shi'ar space, Chandelar. Mm-hmm. Are we building to a mutant imperial guard like in Life 9? So 
back to House of X and Powers of Ten. Oh. That's where we saw that life with Apocalypse and Moira and the assault on getting the plans for Nimrod. That was talking about the future and all the mutants or most of the mutants except for that small group living on Chandelar and mm. being more embedded in the Imperial Guard. I think that'd be an interesting progression to start to see. We, we've established that as a mutant safe place and especially with Xandra being there and being uh, who she is. I yeah. feel like I've seen some preview art with Xandra in it. Oh, yeah. I'm interested to see sort of how with doing that, the rest of Soul essentially yeah. responds to what's happening. Right. Maddie Bond was so pumped for Alpha Flight and it did not disappoint. I love these characters and love that they're finally getting a spotlight again. Fang fits perfectly considering Wolvie's connection to the team. The twist didn't surprise me, but it was a perfectly structured first issue that put all the pieces into play. I can't wait to see where they fall. Hashtag AF forever. <laughs> Alpha Flight forever. Yeah, no, Maddie, absolutely. This was so much... This was just all the elements put together to get you interested in this as a concept, mm -hmm. why this needs to be a story that we're telling right now in a time that we only have so many threads falling from the ashes that was the Hellfire Gala, seeing where people shake out, where are they having some mutant safe places that they could be. Yeah. Yeah, because you know there's going to be little safe houses and caches of mutants all over the place that eventually will hopefully come back, rise up. Yeah. Vaderino was fooled, has to admit it, but seeing the Alpha Flight as a whole really are united for the mutants makes me care about this book. Really strong start. I was fooled too. Like, yeah. I was straight up like, wow, Alpha Flight. Yeah, yeah like, right? Reading it, I was like, damn, y'all. I thought you guys were on the this side of good. Even... You this know, is where you're at. It's interesting because Guardian was one taking meetings with Henry Peter Gyrick in Sword, mm. right? To to learn about what Orcus was. Right. And so that that made me wonder, is this because he was in on that? He didn't really that didn't end favorably for I mean, Henry died, but also I don't <laughs> think I don't think Guardian joined Orcus in any way, so no, but he was—he definitely has some inside information right. now, and and could have been intrigued by what could be done. Interesting. Comic extracts changed his vote to Alpha Flight for Book of the Week after finishing reading it, which oh, wow, which is really interesting to hear. I mean, you can't actually once you vote, you vote. So so you can't actually change <laughs> the your vote? numbers are the numbers. I'm sorry, Daniel. No, I'm just messing with you. Um, but it, it sounds great to hear that that it really hits you that hard. Yeah, sometimes a good twist will do that. You know, yeah. If if the story shocks you enough, it becomes your number one. Yeah, I want to know more. No Good Comics enjoyed Alpha Flight way more than he was expecting. I like what they're up to as a team, having some play as the government mule. Also, they brought Fang's suit back. I remember when Wolverine stole that suit from the original Fang in the early Chris Claremont comics. Guess he kept it in his closet and he passed it down to Dakin. Here, bub, I wore this uh, in space once after beating up this guy for it. You could be him now if you want. So, so Justin, there is a story that happened in the volume two of Marauders where Akiro gets the Fang costume is, mm. is of the number of Fangs. But I, I honestly like your story. I like your head cannon. It's, it's good. It's good too. You know, that's a father son bonding moment that we love to see. Are you ready for 
Uncanny Avengers. I'm so ready for Uncanny I, Avengers. I loved this comic. It was great. Honestly, I may have enjoyed it more than X-Men Red. Oh my goodness golly. Let's look at that cover. We've got a team of baddies. Honestly, everyone's looking, even Quicksilver, looking pretty fierce, uh, I guess. I, He's I, definitely got Magneto vibes in sure, this image. Which sure. You know, doesn't mean anything because he's not, you know, his biological son. Sure, right. But and, and he's never been anywhere near as cool as Magneto. No, even no, if, no, no, no. Even when he's trying to impersonate or or be of that caliber of person. I would say Captain America looks a little scared, but <laughs> the rest of them confident. Sure, sure. I mean, I love this lineup. And we've got the little. We've got God, the gods are coming in. The gods they've are got here. Got a little. Who are the gods on who there? Who are they? So let's dig in. Page turn noise. Doctor Stasis and Modok are on a recruitment drive. Something that threads throughout the entire issue is mm. hey, we're building a team. We're putting a team together. Uh yeah, we're putting a team together. We've got a ship of some kind. In this, what seems to be a dark, dingy, underground lair. Not long ago. And we're kind of having a conversation with whoever is inside. Who we assume then becomes Captain Krakoa. But we don't know who this person is. And essentially we're giving them the lowdown of like, hey... We're going to take down the X-Men. Yeah, you know, things are bad. Mutants have taken over. They're basically in charge now, and it's the worst. So please join our cause and, and be manipulated to think that you're Cyclops. And whoever it is in there is so excited about taking down the X-Men that they burst out of their their shell, their cage, their ship, their whatever was keeping Containment. them Containment. Yeah, sleeping. So, yeah. And now they're awake and they're ready. And uh, we've got a title page, Uncanny Avengers. Truth and Justice, written by Jerry Duggan, with Jonathan Hickman on the Gods page, art by Javier Garon, colors Mari Holwell, and letters Travis Lanham. He sees Travis Lanham. Javier Garon and Maury Holwell on the cover as well. I love me a Ben Urich side story yeah let's check in with our friend ben yurik because he's not buying it no I, and, I and that's think. good because to show that there are people in the marvel universe that still have their head about them and are seeing like, hey no modok is terrible dr stasis i i know that face he looks like mr sinister right like, right like, this is this is not true and it also takes the side of so this is not produced under the X line, essentially. This mm. is on the Marvel Universe side of the house. So if you look at who is the editor, it's Tom Brevoort, who will be the editor of X-Men oh, in 2024. Oh, interesting, yeah. He is the editor on the Avengers side. So this is doing its due diligence on bringing in any fans, which, I don't know, if you're an Avengers fan and you saw this, maybe it's because of the name Avengers, but it looks like an X-Men book. Right. Like, like the number of people on this, even if you kind of put Deadpool and Quicksilver in the middle, I'd say they're leaning a little X, definitely Deadpool, but yeah, yeah. It, just, it just feels like an X-Men story. Yes, for sure. And 
I really liked that we're we're calling back to the first time we saw Captain Krakoa and the reveal of resurrection and Ben Yark's connection to that. Right. And the way that he's saying, listen, I know about Captain Krakoa. I know that that was Cyclops walking around in a Captain Krakoa suit. And I know Cyclops. And he's not about to be murdering people and posing for a picture with blood dripping off of his hands. Right. You know? There's something not right about this situation. And Ben is getting to the bottom of it. And he's doing a good job at catching up any non-X readers on the fallout that has happened since the Hellfire Gala. Right. Because there are questionable things like, okay, the mutant's medicine is going a little haywire. Going you crazy. Know, things are not great. But but this can't be the Captain Krakoa. And, and we're also getting insight into the way that Orcus is gathering and getting rid of, getting rid of mutants and... That's not really a good look either. Speaking of that, we are now getting an inside scoop on the Orcus Filtration Center. It's giving me that, I think I said it about the preview art, feeling like Magneto going into the Mm. concentration camp in the 2000 X-Men movie. Yeah. Where it's the rain, it's just the, the hooded figures, the shouting from the Nazis essentially, which yes, here too. The secret warning from our hooded figure as... Wait for my signal. Slice. That was my signal. Yeah. If you're staying, you're fighting as Psylocke Conan flips over that hood and using the katana blades, the various swords. I love the note of, you know, normally I have my psychic knife, but I would rather opt for lethal tools to slice people open yeah i also love the image of her sort of like back flipping through the air as everyone's shooting at her and she's just gracefully slicing them up right trained by the hand really getting you caught up on Kanon as her teammate her partner in this penance m cuts through and helps people on the other side of the fence yes i love that silhouette of m just like standing in the hole of the fence yeah while everyone's running away Looks so much like she's going to come for you and kill you. And uh, she just might do that, Orcus. These are some really great action sequences. This fight that Psylocke is having with these agents. The stab through and then kick off the sword with the crack behind her in the letters. Just however many actions that she can take on with these people. The bottom panel where the sword swipe, you can see the swipe still moving through the air as the sword has already passed through it. It's pretty nice. It's pretty good stuff. And who else is here? Captain America. Right. Psylocke assumes that Cap is here because you love to defend these people who love humans, who kill our children. But no, no. no I'm no. throwing that shield straight past you to the Orcus agent behind you. Right, right. I love this call out from Psylocke. Hey, let's make it a fair fight and get the rest of the Avengers in here. I could take you down easily. Well, actually. Yeah. Showing Captain America is just as much of a geometry nerd as Cyclops <laughs> and using that shield to ping, 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 ping take down all these Orcus goons and recruit these final two members to the Unity Squad. With, you know, his good friends, Deadpool and Quicksilver. You might know them. They are mutant relatives. Let's avenge all the people that have died. This this shadowed face of it will avenge them. Oh, yes. Then avenge them. And you get the details. No, like these, these guys, they're here. They're embracing of the idea that Orcus 
is the bad guy. Yeah. And I like the moment where Monet is like, all right, I re- I'm, I'm reassessing my decision. Right, right. Let's do it. Let's be in. Let's roll out, sugar. We got some new stabby friends. Rogue, the air support, not a fan of Deadpool's vibe. And Don't call me sugar. Yeah, sure, sugar. no, totally get that. He's annoying. But he, she is testing the defenses of the gulag to give us a hint that, hey, this is going to connect to that. It obviously is going to connect with X-Men. Mm. They're doing their secret meetings in the tunnels. Jerry's writing both titles that is set up to be able to weave between the two of them. Yes, and, uh, you know, Rogue wants to know, how far out can I be before they find me? Turns out, about 200 meters. Good intel. Get that back to Sink and his team. Oh, and then we get to the Brotherhood and my heart breaks. Sure, right? We see Blob being manipulated on this plane, wanting to go home, to go back to Krakoa, and who he thinks is Cyclops leading the call. Right, so... You know, when the previews and things came out for this, I was a little upset. I was like, Bob, really? And I wonder how far that'll go. And especially when you now have telepaths on the team, mm. can't they just be like, hey, um, that's not who you, that's think, not who it you is. think it is. We don't know who it is. We're still curious. We have a couple guesses. You know, we're, we're trying to find out. But the fact that Captain Krakoa is able to just go into the island unnoticed quote-unquote by all these stark sentinels no he's working for them he's on their team the tears streaming down krakoa's face as this fake captain smashes through the quiet council floor and goes and recruits two more terrible people to join Mm, his brotherhood it's fenris yay Yay. oh great nazis great you got literal nazis for your nazi team and and you know now we're going to our underground meetup. We're back with the Uncanny well, Avengers. And can can I just the the fact that Andrea is mm. helped up by Captain Krakoa and Andreas is just isn't anybody gonna help me up? Like just yeah, brooding the in the heck? corner. I love it. So go. Oh yeah, just thinking about Captain America uh, with his giant shield backpack. Yeah. Inconspicuously walking through the subway. Right. Like, come on, we all know you're Captain America. What else are you hiding in there? Yeah. Great monologue or, or narrative boxes actually talking about Steve Rogers and his history as a leader and his interactions with Deadpool, knowing what can be done with misfits when needing for people to stand up for what they believe in and having the full team recruited and coming in through the Morlock tunnels to meet up with the X-Men side of things. Right. And we've got Emma and Tony, but we're wondering, where is everybody else? Like, it's okay, y'all. You can come out now. I love the nod to the fact that Avengers never really had telepaths. Mm. So to have a telepath on the team to be able to do these status checks on people, great. Great advantage. Steve, never leave home without another telepath. Call your mommy. She'll get you a telepath. Ah, uh, your mommy. <laughs> and in the middle of their meeting, the Avengers are called away. And Quicksilver's going to get them all where they need to go real quick. Do you think that this is the other side, more details of the meeting that we saw in X-Men 25? I do, yeah. yeah. This is the same meeting, not necessarily a different meeting. Yeah. Quicksilver running everybody off. Interesting splash, giving him some highlight into you know what he has been caught up in throughout his life and and how he has felt of service fighting with and for the Avengers. And we get to the page where the two teams are against each other and Quicksilver's a little tired. 
Get rid of him. <laughs> he did a lot of work. He's As he should panting be. Panting over there. Well, Dead now people. it's the new mutant liberation front. Right, which I thought was kind of ridiculous. They call themselves, I think Captain Krakoa calls themselves the Brotherhood in the first instance, and now they're calling themselves the new mutant liberation front, which definitely more of a public friendly mm-hmm. name than the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, for sure. Not a good visual for for your team you got Fenris you've got Wild's Eye who murder hands and mm-hmm. you know Blob ah it just makes me hurt so hard I think soon Blob is gonna find out oh yeah I would hope I hope that that's a, and to call so much attention to it in this issue it makes it seem like that's going to be an arc in the story is that Blob is going to discover that he's not fighting for the cause that he thinks he is. Right. And we're getting hints because Captain America is fighting Captain Krakoa and he's acknowledging that I know this guy's not Cyclops and I know he's a little bit stronger than he should be if he was a human. So something's up here. Right. Well, there's the detail about the suit giving strength enhancements, right? Mm. That the suit was actually meant for the Dugs of the world, the people right. who don't have battle ready, even though that's Bull. And we've seen Doug use his powers to match and fight to be able to read the body language of someone like Captain America, who does yes. a lot of hand on hand to hand combat. But yeah, and this yikes. Cap v. Cap with the. Just, crack just, on the last page. Just breaking Captain America's arm. Just destroying it and we'll find out more in our next in our next issue i guess yeah we have this data page op-ed from dr stasis that we've seen before in the Mm -hmm. pages of x-men basically just working the public in this campaign to see distrust in the mutants in in their cause in their lives yes to let them know let you all know the mutants are bad bad guys and I'm here to save you. I'm Dr. Stasis. Meanwhile, in the House of Ranks and Numbers... Yeah, we get our, our one-pager from Gods as someone seems to be smuggling tesseracts to this Earth. They yeah. found a tesseract in someone in their little autopsy area. We're just... We're, we're gathering all these tesseracts. It just seems like a questionable choice. We're trying to get all those eyes on gods, putting these one pages in various titles. Just, hey, there's something big. It's happening across not only this universe, but connected to the multiverse in ways. What's that Krakoan, babe? What is it? New Avengers. Ooh. With an interesting preview image of a cover where... Rogue seems to be fighting against Captain America. Yeah, I don't know. Questionable. Concerning. I loved this so much. It was great. Yeah. It just really lays out the idea and sets up everyone's sides. Yeah, and it had a lot of really nice dynamics, you Mm -hmm. know? Good character moments paired with good fighting and and action scenes. Getting enough of a taste of each of the characters that if you're coming to it from an Avengers side or you're coming to it from an X-Men side, there's a little bit of something for everyone. You know, it's a really nice mesh of those stories. Right. As an issue one in a miniseries, it does enough to say, okay, here's this person, here's their deal. Here's this person, here's their deal. Mm -hmm. It's It's not a Captain America story. Right. You know, it's not a Psylocke story. She has that little bit. Penance has that little bit. I'd say the one that doesn't really have much of an intro would be Rogue, who mm-hmm. didn't really have one of those asides. But if anyone is known it's in this Rogue. book, it's Rogue, right? Everybody knows Rogue. Everybody loves Rogue. She was an Avenger. Mm-hmm. Remspringer, off the top, is saddened by Blob's story here. Yes. I 100% agree. 
I can't wait for Blob to to be to find out that it's not Cyclops and to just rip Captain Krakoa's helmet off and just expose who he really is. Punch him in the face. Yeah. Rodro thinks they know who Captain Krakoa is. Ooh. I think it would be a smart choice if I'm right, but they don't say what their Ooh, guess is. Oh, ah, dang. Ro, the suspense continues. I must know. Pete Woods 86 still thinks that's baby Cable rocking the Krakoan outfit. Mm. Could be under mind control. Could be have, how long was he stored in the, I don't know. Yeah, the, the, the only reason I don't feel like it's baby Cable is because what I feel like is they stole a spaceship or something from somewhere that this person was already encapsulated in. I think that that was in Dr. Stasis's lab. Mm. And, and so wherever that containment unit came from, it was then moved so they've been seemingly in containment for a long time. Cable, Kid Cable only showed up the day before the gala. Right. This is like however long ago. I'm open to it. If it's Kid Cable, I'm excited yeah, because it I, actually yes. does something with that plot. I just, I'm not sure. Um, but if uh, it's not him, it's Evil Cap from Secret Empire, which is another good guess. Probably Ooh. one of the two frontrunner guesses of who this could be. Evil Cap from Secret Empire or... Nuke, who is the other potentially fan favorite. Who is this guy? I don't know who Nuke is. Or Evil Cap. No, but at least I can understand that Evil Cap is an evil version of Captain America. (laughs) (laughs) Nuke means nothing to me. Super soldier. Okay. Revved up on drugs. Beta Reno has a second vote for it's definitely being Hydra Cap. Come on. Poor Fred. I hope somebody reaches the guy before he does anything wrong. He deserves better. Mm. I agree. Yeah. I think that that's two votes on we need to save Blob and two votes on that's definitely Evil Cap. I mean, if you're ca- and, and calling him Hydra Cap, right? We know that Hydra is in cahoots with Orcus is one and the same. So so maybe Stasis would know where Evil Cap was, mm-hmm. Hydra Cap was, sure. The Pikachu said that fake Captain Krakoa is definitely somebody who pretended to be Captain America, but which imposter? Those two mm. having previously been fake Captain America. Or, you know, maybe Bucky somehow. Oh, no. Not, I hope not. Bucky. I hope not. No, he's been not. through enough. Yeah, he's, he's doing other things. I'm pretty sure he's on uh, Thunderbolts or something like that. Also, they're calling that Rasputin is going to lead an attack on Nimrod at some point. Is this why Kate's looking for Polaris and Sunfire? Mm. I think Jerry's collecting his big guns. Right? Yeah, you know, yeah. The guns are everywhere. And it's like, hey, the people that were on the X-Men rosters of the Krakoan era, you're still X-Men. We need you. I need Once you Once an X-Man, always an X-Man right now. Once you've been on my roster, you're always technically on my roster. I can pull and use you whenever I want. Love to see it. Comic Extracts thought Cap's intro was so dynamic. Hell yeah. Love to see his shield ricochet off all the Orcus bros. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then they went in to say, after the gala in X-Men 25, the violence we see perpetrated against fascists feels satisfying when I read it. Like, hell yeah, hurt those racists. But that feeling and reveling in the violence is double-edged. The era is raising some powerful questions. How am I supposed to feel about the loss of the ideal presented in the first law, the kill no man? Mm. Life just becomes cheap and that means everyone is losing. And that makes me sad in a in a way different from the sadness I feel from a character loss, for instance. So I think that's interesting. You know, I, I think I think the the whole even even at the start of Krakoa, 
those rules, the kill no man rules, didn't apply to Mystique, right? Mm -hmm. Didn't apply to X-Force, didn't apply to the war captains. I would 100% say that this is war. I think that it's hard to navigate that. You know, you see it in Uncanny Avengers. You see it in Dark X-Men, too, the way that they are mercilessly coming for the Orcus agents. I, I don't know. I think, too, the idea of kill no man is wider than just the words kill no man and is more about we need to prioritize ourselves and mutants and we can't care if humans get hurt in the crossfire at this point. Okay, and even just what you said, I feel like Orcus threatens the idea of humanity, mm-hmm. that they are trying to divide humans and mutants and just people in general against each other and they're trying to to fuel this angst and anger amongst everyone on earth for chaos for the ability to essentially overthrow and take you know they're already weaseling their way into various government agencies right and uh i think as we will talk about in next men red uh one of their plans is backfiring on them already for sure for sure daniel also wanted to see a little bit more personality and character focus in Uncanny Avengers. It does everything that it, it says that it's going to do. You know, great fighting, intriguing villains, snappy fight dialogue. But, you know, we a little bit more character arc story. I think that's good to see. And hopefully we'll see that further on. I think yeah, it's I hard think to that balance that. You know, where we were talking about little, little pockets of introducing our characters as we mm-hmm. assemble our team. Hopefully we get a good juicy narrative for a couple of them as they go through the rest of this title. I agree. I hope that happens. And I, I have faith. I think it will. Yeah. A.M. Friedrich shouted, what's in the box? Seriously, though, who do you think Stasis and Modok just recruited? I've said it before and I'll say it again. Cameron Hodge. I feel like that's one of the few big bads we haven't seen in this era yet. Maybe mm. Bastion, which I think is interesting, right? So Cameron Hodge, we've only seen kind of a, a, a robotic representation of him that we saw in Hellions early on. Yeah, way back right? when. So the original Cameron Hodge, the still seemingly technologically enabled demon magic fueled <laughs> hateful guy could be around, could be somewhere, could be a great surprise. Bastion would be wild. That would be out of left field. I do like the idea though that it is a more Avengers or Captain America centered person because I like the idea that it's not a mutant problem. Right. You know, it's like they're they're Marvel attacking Universe more than just the mutants here so i don't know that intrigues me to think that it could be someone else also adam is wondering where is sinister i think it's interesting that captain krakoa would take fenris out of the pit and and not even address the fact that sinister's down there though i guess all the essex clones kind of hate each other especially sinister and stasis so maybe that was part of the instruction right and we do know that shaw was working an angle with the pit and had said, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take out Sinister. I'm gonna do something with that, and then maybe let's see how much Orcus wants for Fenris." And so maybe he just didn't get to Fenris yet, and uh, they were like, "Oh well, we're just gonna go down there and take the ourselves. We're just gonna do what we want. Yeah. yeah. Jari Vero is checking. Are Fenris in Dark X Men and Uncanny Avengers? Am I missing something? And it actually points to a bit of a continuity slip, as somehow they were in the pit at the end of Bishop War College, but then they're out of the pit before Bishop War College Volume 2 is hinted at in the voices because the days and how they stack in that backup story in Dark X-Men, and then they're back in the pit to be recruited by Captain Krakoa. So it's kind of like a, when were they where at what time? 
Well, my understanding is when they're coming in to Dark X-Men, this is when the Limbo Embassy is first established, which is before they go anywhere in War College. Maybe before they start working with Orcus, they say, hey, I'm going to go see if I can get up in the Limbo Embassy, and they flat out turn them away, which then would lead them to why they would want to work with Orcus. So the one hiccup with that is that the next day hints towards that Marvel Voices story where Gimmick is seen. And so that's at the end of War College when they would already be in the pit because Bishop's already working with his second class of War College students. But and they're only one day after each other. So it's like, when when did one happen and the other happen? All right. But yes, Fenris are in both titles. But that Dark X-Men call to them was before the fall. Yes. And where they're at now in Uncanny Avengers is after or during. Right. Yeah, that's current. But they make an appearance in both titles, but they're not side by side simultaneously in both titles. The positive fan isn't a fan of M as penance. We have enough stabby people. It makes her less unique. And I kind of agree. It kind of reduces M. She has a ton of powers to just finger claws and stabby stab, and especially to have Psylocke pulling guns on the telepath connection between everybody that kind of takes away another part of her it reminds me of rogue being just the brawler and not really the power absorption person when on a team with sync like what Mm. is her identity otherwise when there's someone that already fills that role one more summer thought it felt redundant which i think is an interesting idea of okay redundant perhaps to the opposite side of x-men 25 which showed us some of these other things it reminds me of when two issues in an event tell around the same point right mm. you get more specifics for the those particular characters in each issue but there is a little bit of overlap i didn't really feel like there was a lot here no i didn't either and i feel like this did a really nice job of building the team yeah and and having its own unique purpose versus what x-men's doing on the other side Mm. counseling with mr b absolutely loved uncanny avengers the art and story was beautiful i heart rogue and m Mm. yes Yes. they're great x-men red Not going to lie, kind of disappointed by this book. Not didn't enjoy it because I did like all the books, but this was, of the four, probably one of my least favorites. I would agree. And I think it's because a couple of reasons. It does not do what X-Men Red normally does. Mm. It's big picture. It's a lot of plot moving things and less small character arc stories that have a lot to fight within, right? You think of all the stories that we've seen before. They've been very personal, very character-driven. This is all characters at once with a big and progressed... Honestly, it felt more like Storm and the Brotherhood Mm. as like we've jumped forward in time when we're in this all-out war than it did X-Men Red before that Sins of Sinister time. Yeah, usually we get a lot of character bits and personal moments and conversation and this was a lot of narration and overarching kind of voiceover Mm -hmm. so anyway what do you think about the cover oh yeah epic lineup you got mom and dad in the distance Mm -hmm. the sacred ground as they're fighting in the valley of the damned right or the valley of the fallen yes valley of the damned is dragon force so we're ready to dig in then yep page turn noise The first act of war. Oh, this is so epic. 
bringing Araco back. So you have to think about what this means to these people as a symbol. Mm. Their mom, essentially, the, the person that saved them through the dark times, comes back and revives their island, the soul of their island, the person that's been dormant largely since they moved to Mars, to mm. Araco. This is huge. Yeah, for sure. It, it divides everybody, as described in the title page. Yeah. Araco divided. To war we march. Written by Al Ewing. Art by Yildiri Sinar. Colors Federico Blee. Letters Ariana Maher. BC's Ariana Maher. Stefano Caselli and Jesus Abertov on the cover. I do love the number of new names that we're getting in these mm. Fall of X titles, both writers and artists. I agree. And I do really enjoy the art in this issue. I do too. Reactions all around to what's going on, what's been set up by Genesis's first strike, right? Again, big picture, slow check-ins with a number of characters across the board. Lactuka, the counter to Annihilation, balancing things, trying to be impartial, trying to make Not sure that... Not choosing a side. Right, right. That's Lactuka knows that if things had just gone on in that square off in last issue, Genesis's side with the influence of Annihilation likely would have taking it from there, mm-hmm. right? They, they would have challenged those people. Storm's forces would have been whittled down. She herself would have been exposed and surrounded by people that were swearing allegiance to Genesis. I mean, she's she, she Storm. She would have done what she'd done. But Craig Marshall catching up with our, our human friend on Araco as he's concerned by the growing thirst for war around him. This note to Pete Corbeau saying, hey, come over here, Peter Corbeau, which is just a great deep cut reference to X-Men lore, human friend of Charles Xavier, and just what did Jay and Miles call him? Super Dr. Astronaut Peter Corbeau, because he does all the things that you ever know. Fisher King with the odd catch, this fish from Sabunar's first generation waters just jumping itself onto the spear what this means for the island for the people for Sabunar himself the painting the premonition of annihilation the rumors of war the tensions rising in Port Prometheus and Red Lagoon's tensions are even higher as mm-hmm. Kobox slams down on the table what have you done You've shamed him. Like, no one runs from a challenge. Right. I'm the first one in the Iraqo history, Iraqi history, that has run from a challenge for my seat. You just teleported us all out of there, and now I look like an idiot because of what you've done. I would have gladly died. Just look at the change in face as Kobach realizes that Lotus is speaking to them from the heart, not constrained by the haiku of their normal speech. Yes. And that I I cared for you. I care for you. I, I didn't want you to die. Right. Oh, man. This, 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 what? Kobach, I love Kobach, okay? Sure, yeah. I've been saying it for a while. He's coming to be one of my favorite Iraqi characters. It grows on you. He grows on you. Like all the spikes on his back. <laughs> Berto, ooh. Ooh, coming in post-gala. This was intense. This was just the devastation, the shock on his face, the secret earth business that he alludes to Mm. that pulled him from the gala, but we don't find out what it was. No. Right? This, the effects of Xavier's movement, the fact that him resisting. Was difficult. Right? That gave him a telepathic hangover. I love this detail of Storm conjuring water into a glass and Mm -hmm. giving it to him. I thought that was so great. And just everyone's dead. And Orcus did it. Big mad. Yeah. 
which I think is important, you know, like we need to see how Storm is going to feel about what is happening sure. because she has chosen to focus on Araco. So now we need to see the aftermath of that decision and how how her not being there at the gala is going to affect her and what choices she's going to make because of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Storm running through the hits. Orcus trying to use Genesis, the influence of Sabunar, all these things that are working against us as war is coming. Mm -hmm. War is here. And the new history of Araco tells us our X week's time jump. Genesis has rebuilt her fortress and gathered her army on Araco Prime, ruling from the Great Ring, not from the field. Iska being in the mountains, the Olympus and Thrasis months. The, these everything referenced in here is actual parts of Mars. Mm. So this is alluding just nerd out, out everywhere, which is science epic detail. space nerds. The fact that. Iska is saying buzz off, but Krakoans, people from Earth, would be welcome if they were to come. Curious what that means, but I think it says a lot of where she stands mm. and, and where she's willing to give aid. The Spire Vile and the Locust Vile keep coming up. The fact that this is referenced multiple times in recent issues, I can't imagine that we won't see that soon. The stars and ships around Araco, the mercenaries who left, have now heard of war and are being pulled back to choose sides, returning for possible spoils. And then Aurora's base set up in Port Prometheus in the Morrowlands. We cut to an epic battle. The Valley of the Fallen. Sacred land, but with this beautiful chaos everywhere. Yeah, we shouldn't be fighting here, but we are. We are. And we're doing a ground attack, and we're doing an air attack. General Nova leading that air attack, calling the shots... A last stand defense left and right as they are just fighting. And we've got we've got a character coming in hot who's not nigh invulnerable. He's he's a hundred percent fully invulnerable. One blast in. Orden the Omega Rocket, the living star, the Iraqi cannonball, is flying in over Iska's territory. A terrible miscalculation that he has made, as Iska has let it be known. No, these are my mountains. You cannot come through here. I shoot you in your mouth and you die. Listen, I don't want any of your business. I don't want my sister's problems. I don't want Storm's problems. I want to live on my mountain alone. And if you are going to involve my mountain in your treachery, I will kill you. Okay? I will kill you. Thank you. Goodbye. I, I love the irony of this basically being Cannonball and, and Berto having to deal with it, especially mm. him being so torn up about the fact that Sam is dead. And we know that Sam is actually dead. Right. Because of the people that died at the gala. Right. The ones who are, you know, mortal X-Men, you know, they're, who knows? they're wherever they are. Yeah. All of Araco fights together as Storm comes in. Oh, the spread here. Storm is the warrior goddess. It's so badass. Look at that cape. That Magneto cape billowing in the background. Why? Because it's amazing. <laughs> Aurora has the air bringing down the statues of a rock of a apocalypse in genesis yeah out with the old baby i'm done pretending this stuff matters seriously Ooh another data page another history book page oh storm side the freedom but still adventure if you want it mm -hmm. they're kind of spelling out what are the sides fighting for genesis side she hates everything you've done double weapon Riding out there, just swinging on both people. You know, just so you know, I've got the staff and I've got purity. So 
that's who I've taken down. Are you going to follow me? Also, I'm coming for Orcus. Don't think that you played me. Right. Here, she's like, mm, yeah, well, once I take care of this, I'm coming for Earth. Yeah. So I'm it's just, all mine now. I'm not just going to be manipulated. You know? Y'all unleash something you shouldn't have unleashed. Seriously. As we find that we have won one day. Yes, we've won one day. And now we need to have a little conversation. We need to figure out what exactly started this whole thing. Right. We need to talk about those traitors, plural, I wonder. And I think that this must be Storm's internal monologue. Wondering if Apocalypse falls on that side. As we ask those questions in the war room, trying to decide, you know, what side is Ensabanur on? Mm. We haven't seen him. Was he the first to fall with this... Sentiment of Iraqi's history in our blood? What? Fisher King, where did you come from and what happened to Zylo? Hmm. Like, is this is this Fisher King always underneath or is this a, a meld between the two? Kind of like what we saw with Cable in Storm and the Brotherhood? I don't know, but we know that Fisher King has to have some sort of power. It's just not... A fighting power. Not a weapon, right. It's not a weapon. Mm. So, what's happening? Mm. Mm. Intrigue. On the cover, looking symbiotic with those webs for the next issue. You get a, a look at what could be a Storm versus Genesis standoff. And what does that Krakoan say? The webs we weave. Ooh. Oh. What'd you think? I mean... You said you said what you thought at the beginning. I said I didn't love it, but I think it was more so that the beginning was slower than I wanted it to be. It took longer for the issue to like rev up. Yeah. But once it got going, it's great. No, I, I mean, I completely hear what you're saying. I felt a little bit too. I think we escalated things really quickly. I think we jumped into the war, right? We jumped mm-hmm. ahead in time. The build up and the kickoff, that was last issue. The threats were issued and now Genesis makes her opening move on Araco. This was a different kind of issue, but also reminded me, like I said, Storm and the Brotherhood having to catch up with mm-hmm. all these details, all these people, all these missing moving pieces and how things had progressed through action. Like I wanted more of the character intrigue, but I'm glad that the plot has been completely set up and we can now play in that space for future issues. Yeah. The sides and Genesis's long game, plus all the current missing players, based on the covers will likely see those children of Apocalypse and Genesis in the near future. Do we get a Storm versus Genesis battle as teased on that cover for next issue? Uh, I feel like if we're going to get that, we can't get it next issue, though. Right, right. Because it has to be like the endgame situation. Exactly. So they have to have some kind of like opening gambit between the two that will then be prolonged. The fact that they are teasing genesis's command over the ground and aurora specifically saying she has the air Mm. we are creating the divide of where either player falls when does apocalypse come in Mm. or or does he come in here or is that later or is this what araco uses uranus for Mm. there's a couple of big cards still off the table that we haven't seen uh i don't i didn't feel the usual hype but I feel like that's because of all the things that we said. Right. And, and, the, and also there were so many things right. and so much happening with the fall of X that like usually X-Men Red stands out because it is so drastically different in its action yeah. and intensity than everything else. And everything is intense right now. So right, right. it's a little bit harder to have that as your signature. Sure. 
The Pikachu wonders when Apocalypse joins the Genesis War. Right on, right on target, yeah. Will he side with Storm or have his own side? Will Apocalypse use what he learned about Genesis prolonging the war to get Iska on his team? Mm. And he all- I do like that Iska's like right. just out. She's just not into it. She's just being herself. And just what her power means to whoever side she's on. And yeah. What that me- so maybe that's why she doesn't want to be involved. It's undecided as to who is winning this fight. The fact that she grants some some saving. And, you know, if I'm reading that line right, that she would grant passage or, or care to people from Earth that have been thrown here. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's just because well, she feels that way. Fault. Right. Exactly. So I don't know. If that's just her compassion or if that's the inkling of where things will go. Mm. I feel that's a good sign for our friends Earthbound. Yes, I agree. The Pikachu also pointing out that Genesis has rebuilt the 10 towers used in the war in Amenth. Will these lead to more on mutant magic? It's interesting to think about how Genesis and Apocalypse both were talking about building up mutant magic and needing a place of safety and security to do so from, right? So Apocalypse saying that about Krakoa at the beginning of Excalibur, and then now we see that again with Genesis in Arako. Yeah, it is interesting. They have similar views, yet very different Very views. different. Vaderino liked Iska being a neutral NPC that will murder both sides. Interesting that she might accept Earth Mutants onto her mountain as a sanctuary. What do you think she's up to? She's going to build her own third army and just kill them all. The new X-Men are Iska's band of castaways. she cannot lose, so... Right. Here for it. Darren is just a teacher calling out that Sunspot's despondence and assumptions that everyone was dead was so authentic, right? Mm-hmm. He, he looks devastated. Yeah. He looks lost when he wanders into the red lagoon and just is so overwhelmed by all those people having died because it took everything inside him to escape being one of them right so he's like not only is everyone dead but i also was almost just dead right right no good comics started off first of all how amazing was that spread page when genesis wakes up the island terrifying and epic Second, I love the bit between Lotus, Logos, and Kobok never held. It all goes back to what Storm and others have said in the first place. Also, the part where that wasn't a haiku, then I have a truth that cannot, that art cannot cage. Like mm-hmm. that, that real heart and, and connection. It's also interesting to, to read that and to also have read the Marvel Voices story. Right. And to wonder, is there more between these two going to happen? Right, right. Who? Right. Third, sorry for my novel today, Justin calling out himself, (laughs) Roberto showing up all bloody toward the beginning was devastating. Brought me right back to all the mixed, sad, and angry feelings I had after reading the gala Mm. as he rattles of who's dead or probably dead. Lastly, I thought these war scenes were awesome, especially Iska and the Arrow and Storm owning the skies like a boss. Yes. Yes, always, yes. And there could be no more question of air superiority for Aurora was the air, and at her command, the sky itself fell to its knees. Those panels and this moment gave me all the feels. Thank you for attending my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Yes, there's some, some really great points and call-outs on just the strength that Storm's side is showing off. Yes, for sure. And one more summer said that X-Men Red felt underwhelming, which I think that's what we were talking about. The fact that it didn't really feel as connected to some of the other issues of this series that we know it as. Yeah. But the more we talk about it, the more I realize I think it was just the pacing of the beginning. Right. And honestly, I had a hard time reading 
the boxes, like the black boxes with the, the white textile. letters. The textile was really hard visually for me to read. So then it made it feel like more work, which then when I get aggravated at anything reading a comic, sure. it makes me not, not enjoy the story as much as I probably would if I didn't feel like I was struggling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the letters were difficult to discern mm. what it actually was about. Yeah. Are you ready for the book of the week? Dark X-Men. Yeah, the I'm so ready. The the decided favorite of both of us. Yes. As as told at the beginning of the podcast, the fact that it is the last book that we're talking about, the just I'm so excited about this. I'm so excited that not only was I anticipating this title for a very long time, but it delivered. Yeah, it totally delivered. It's so great. Let's talk about that cover. The Look cover. at that team. Ah, I love so much about what this cover is. The lineup, the attitude, the darkness. Like, how could you not love this vibe and team? Mm-hmm. It, we even brought you a Wolverine. Like, it just yeah. gives Hellions feels, which I think it sells oh, it well. It totally right? does give Hellions vibes. You're right? right. It's exactly what it is. It's the whole group random assortment of characters but they're all kind of dark and misunderstood mm-hmm. maddie coming through as yeah. the you know we are the x-men but we do what we own we do what we want to yeah let's get into it page turn noise madeline Pryor and limbo the metaphor of maddie's soul and how much she's changed throughout the last few arcs of the krakoan era She's gone through a lot, mm-hmm. right? To to have had her identity debated, but then secured and brought back to have this recent incoming rule of limbo, and then to have her memories fleshed out with what Jean had given to her as the the lost years, essentially. Yes, and and I mean we're seeing here in this image, this Grim Reaper is holding Havoc's headpiece. Right, and that's gotta mean something right and is that her scythe too Mm -hmm. right so what does that even mean about havoc and his life and how this is affecting him maybe this is the guilt this is her dreams showing her what are you doing to havoc right what are you doing to him while we cut to wake up maddie havoc at home just that doting boyfriend Listen, like the protesters, they're up early yeah. and they got some inventive signs. Maddie like, is just good unamused. For them. Yeah, I love the sass. Uh, the the bigot signs. She's taking the serious Havoc. The fact that Havoc is unfazed by the death of his brother or do you even care about anything more than the Egyptian cotton sheets? Like, yeah. come on, man. And But like, this is my, not concern, but thought and noticing of Maddie's skirt is getting smaller and smaller every time she is drawn, and there is almost none of it here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, she's definitely pulling some Emma Frost White Queen vibes from Hellfire Club. You know, like the the beginning of wearing lingerie as your superhero outfit. Yeah. I mean, Maddie has always rocked that line. Well, for sure, but like the, her, the tattered her, goblin queen dress. Yeah, her skirt is even more tattered and even less covering her front bits. Sure, but she's doing business. She's gathered all the misfits together. Monsters, misfits, and freaks in this safe haven. This anti-Krakoan crowd that has been collecting even before the gala happened and all the destruction of the island. The big opening up of who else could be here and what could be done with these characters. Like, this is 
the potential for who could show up is yeah, nearly it's limitless. It's and, so cool, too. And you have so many opportunities for characters that otherwise are not in mainline books because they're not the front-facing X-Men characters. Mm-hmm. You have, like, the dark misfits, the people that who you not having seen Fantasia being here, Zero being here, Azazel, right. uh, M-Plate. There's so much just here on this page to set up. Like This doesn't have to be a mini, guys. We could keep on going. Yeah, let's keep going forever and ever. And, uh, hey, Maddie, what is this thing? On to the secret room that Maddie is showing us. But first, a title page. Hear how they scream for help. There is a kingdom. Written by Steve Fox. Art by Jonas Schraff. Colors Frank Martin. Letters Clayton Coles. This is Clayton Coles. We have a backup story. Do You Love Me? Written by Steve Fox as well. Art by Nelson Danielle. And colors Frank Martin. Letters Clayton Coles. This is Clayton Clayton Coles. Coles. Cover art of the whole shabam by Steven Segovia and Frank Martin again. Frank Martin doing those colors left and right. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're so beautiful too. Like, Can we talk about those colors? Because of the darks and the reds and the vibe, I the mood it. that it gives you. Just the There's the page that, we'll get to it, where, where the Stark Sentinels overhead and Albert's in the streets. Yeah. That one just, the colors makes that stand out so well. Mm-hmm. Even here where, where we explore the Mercy Crown and talk about telepathic backlash. The fact that Maddie wasn't around when Genosha happened and how it impacted people, but mm-hmm. that mass death waved out to telepaths. Right. But the night of the gala, she didn't hear anything. Jean was the only one she felt That's died, it. which I think is interesting cuz more than Jean died, we know that confirmed on right. page. Maybe it's her connection with people or just the difference in volume, the difference in power of Jean and the fact that she's often shares connection to other people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Interesting. This mercy grace. It's basically a demon cerebro. Which I love. It's so beautiful. It's That's so great. That's great. Come Let's on. go. And now we're, we're cutting to Queens that evening as Gimmick is visiting her friend and doing so undercover. Right. So these, these are a couple of our Children of the Atom characters. This is Buddy, mm-hmm. right? Who was the, the Cyclops mirror yes. in Children of the Atom. And yeah, coming in as Benny. But And and Buddy's dad is, is cool with it. And then... Not. And then discovers, oh no. Mutant. That's actually a mutant. And I'm going to report them and ruin their life. Because I, I have a mutant tip line poster on my refrigerator. I think that's such a great detail. I mean, I, I think this is terrible for the characters in the story. But in terms of the story and the realities of mm-hmm. the fear that might exist, even though this father of buddies has known Carmen for however long, likely right. as long as Buddy has as well. And to, now this propaganda has gotten in his head and right. he, he must I just, just... I just want to protect my family, even yeah. though, you know, all mutants are bad, apparently. You know, no, it just, it shows that disconnect. Right. And we get a data page of, you know, the children of the Atom kind of going back and forth about who's, who's doing what to help Gimmick along and who's paying attention and who's not and just... A fun little quip between all of them in the midst of the terrible moment that is happening in right. Buddy's basement. As the Orcus raid busts in and takes down Carmen, the, the fear of the father to keep his daughter safe. 
And Carmen is taken hostage. She is brought into this van, this this transport, and assured that your girlfriend's safe now that you're not around. Right. And we get a shot. We get some tink, tink, tink. And a shadowy figure happens to have a trench coat blowing in the wind as the van is toppled over with an explosion. This is who you might think of when you think Dark Mm X-Men, right? You know, the fact that these three are working together, seemingly together. This is a separate group from Maddie. This is not necessarily associated with the Limbo Embassy in any way. This is Gambit, Archangel, and Maggot who are doing what they can to cause damage to Orcus and to free mutants that are currently in captivity. Yeah, I feel like they're going back to, you know, especially for Gambit, this like on the streets, doing what needs to be done, mm. Robin Hood vibes, yeah. you know? which I love. I love. And this, the, the silhouette image and the explosion. I love the, it. The colors. It's so the great. Colors. It's so great. And Archangel shunk, rips open that door. And, you know, the saving of gimmick is beginning and uh she's very grateful but the orcus agent is like why is this hunk of junk i have not working yeah you might think it's one of the omega sentinels one of the reprogrammed wolverine uh, skeletons but it's not it's a even deeper cut to albert the cybernetic wolverine who is normally paired with LCD, who he is triggered about in the fact that... Because the Orcus has clearly uh, decided LCD's not not needed. Not Not important. Not needed for the field, at least, yeah. Albert is just stammering on for LCD. LCD, this is the panel. The Stark Sentinels in the background. Just this, this one is so beautiful. I mean, honestly, though, the moment I saw Albert stab Archangel, I was like, "Wait, already? Right, right. now? Oh, right from the get? Right. You're on the cover. You're 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 one of the Dark X Men. You're already in danger of death immediately in the first issue. Well, and then to have a similar stab happen to Havoc. I mean, you could write away Archangel's bit because he has been known to have a healing factor right. in his blood but is that also going is there some magic that's going to save havoc i don't know mm-hmm. we get our data page detailing what our our three x-men boys have been up to great to see another pocket of the resistance working together doing what they need to to keep mutants safe yes gambit he is scruffy hasn't shaved in a minute on the run, doesn't know where Rogue is. I'd assume that they are talking. I don't know, just like where she is doing her Avengers Unity Squad thing. And then someone else is here. Bam, bam, bam. But it's not Nightcrawler. No, these are these are definitely a different colorization of bamps. Mm-hmm. As Maddie introduces, the X Men are here. <laughs> Whose side are they on? That's that's complicated. Can't really answer. Yeah. But interesting. Yes. As. She really comes in with heavy murder. I love the details in this because do you notice that she turns one of the cars into a demon and that car then eats one of the Orcus guys? Absolutely. She does not care about these people. She, I think it's interesting because there is some 
hope or desire to do good and to do mm-hmm. the moral thing, to essentially step into the role that Jean was in yes. and some connection to, okay, the, this is what she stood for and this is what we as a mutant people need. This right. is where I should be. And she's like, I know Jean is gone. And I and I wonder, you know, in being that she heard Jean's death, like does she feel some sense of responsibility that I have to fill that void now? Right. As... Albert stabs Havoc in the throat and elicits a huge response from Madeline. She literally just screams so hard that she sets those Orcus agents on fire. They just combust. (laughs) You stupid, stupid men. Oh, no. Snapping and cracking Albert left and right, throwing him into a heap. You've ruined our big debut. Our grand debut. Azazel, get us out of here. I think it's crazy that they leave Warren. Yes, I do too. I mean, I get, I get it that it's just like last minute we gotta go, we're in danger. But yeah, but you're carrying havoc away. Right. Why doesn't somebody grab Warren? Because now Orcus has him. That's not great. Yes. Now Orcus has him. As we get this shot of the other Goblin Queen, the counterpart of Madeline Pryor, who is from Inferno, the 2015 miniseries. Guess I gotta actually read that, huh? The 2015 miniseries, not the original event. Oh. So this is a a second iteration of Inferno. So that's the Goblin Queen. She also appeared a lot in All New X-Men and X-Men Blue. And behind her is the Banff Dragon. The Banff Dragon. Banff Dragon. Oh. We get our end. Any idea who this uh, beady-eyed dude is? No. He kind of looks like Director Devo, but not because of the eyes. You know, like the implanted eyes. Mm. Uh, and then even the woman next to her, they look like, I'm not going to remember the the rap group, but they look like this, they, they don't look like happy people. Mm. They, oh, well, they're happy that Warren is here. Right. But no, it doesn't look good. Mm-mm. What does Zachary Cohen say? Hold on to the throne. Ooh. But before we end, we do get... A little slice of life narrative, catching up with Alex since he's left the X-Men team to join Maddie long before the gala. Yes, I thought this was great. Yeah, lovely. Just just building out what the Limbo Tower has been doing in those weeks since the gala or, or since Havoc joined up with Maddie and the yes. tower was formed. The negotiations of their, you know, sovereignty, uh, sovereignty and... As people are showing up at the door, you know, Emplate and Azazel, okay, yes, you're allowed to be here. Azazel's mastery of souls being the bargaining chip and the fact that Emplate's working for him because a debt is owed by their family. I think that's mm. really interesting. And then the fact that Maddie's just like, yeah, Havoc, you do that busy work. Sounds like a great idea. We definitely need an official process. Yes. Why don't you check everybody in? And then we've got mastermind and lady mastermind just mm-hmm, showing mm-hmm. up but i thought mastermind was a man so matthew yeah, there's several iterations of mastermind got it and and lady mastermind as well all relative to jason wingard got it well they're here just to you know they've got a date with maddie is right. she around todd from Sakakis, who does not necessarily need to be here i think you're just having a bad day my favorite the Fenris twins just no, no. No. Fantasia getting a second shout out here. Todd. Infectia, Kangaroo. Just just a, a who's who of random characters, many of which we see in the other 
Yes, in the, in the widespread. And then we, you know, we get a little check-in of Maddie and Ben. And Ben's like, Maddie, leave me alone. You did this. It's your fault. Why didn't you just let me have memories the same way you had memories? Which is a question we were all asking I after mean, Dark X, uh, Dark Web. Yeah, Chasm's holding his grudge for why Maddie got literally everything she wanted and is free as he got nothing and is trapped in this... I don't know, nice prison, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess. It's it's nice. You still can't leave. And then we're getting our little tie-in to that moment where Gimmick was outside of the embassy and, you know, we check in with her. The Summers family's coming for dinner. Concerned about Alex, but he promises he's happy because he's he's got some time. He's got some ability to connect with Maddie. He's got some... Some hot tub times to to relax in. Maddie's making deals with Sim. Yep, as demon guts are spewing everywhere as she falls into the hot tub. He's like, no, I just I just want to relax. Now, let's, let's go do something romantic. Right. Just prove your love and find your purpose because Havoc, at the end of it, is a man in search of purpose. And right. a man in search of what he is to be in this new era. What do you think? I loved it. Yeah. I Why? Love it. Okay, so many reasons. One, I love Maddie. I like her her take on how you take charge. And I love a gathering of misfits. So I like getting to see some of these characters who are generally villainous be able to dig into their villainy and their despise for humans because the humans are so terrible right now that it's okay. Mm. I also like that Gambit and Maggot and Archangel had sort of started their own robin hood x-men vibe and then we're sort of embraced into this group that maddie is forming and Mm. i think that it's important you know i think that when you think about x-men as a title right now i mean kate Shadowcat is definitely doing things uh in the shadows but knowing that they're it seems like this team might be a little bit more street level focused where that yeah. team is very big big guns focused i'm i'm interested to see sort of that and i feel like they might be responsible for sort of breaking mutants out of captivity and and right. seeing and, where all of that goes i mean this team also feels like they care even less than the mm-hmm. x-men team about being hidden and right they're I, just going out there and we are pushing people. the limits of our sanctuary and mm-hmm. and really just testing what we can get away with right right you put all the demon people in one area maybe What's not gonna a good happen? thing we're gonna do demon stuff you know demon people gonna do demon things I, just, I loved everything about it. The setup, the team, the assumed cause that Maddie is operating with. The art is so chaotic and beautiful. Mm. The details within everything and everybody's story coming to that. I feel like this hits the combination of things that we were looking for in X-Men Red, where right. it has some character motivation, some character arc seeds set up, even in Uncanny Avengers, right? You're getting less so who they are, more so who the main people are and what their motivation is here. Yes, yeah. Which I think is a great way to kick off a title. It's still... It's also just really fun. Yeah. I I really love this title and I really like a handful of others. I I was... I would say fun in a chaotic way because like there's a lot of terrible things happening. Right. It's not like joyfully fun. No, I mean, that's a different kind of fun, especially for a narrative that you're removed from. Right. 
Mendo Mutato wants to know if we all want to smack havoc. And, you know, I, I think that he is in a dark place personally and, and just trying to find purpose and help. And uh, it definitely seems like he belongs with the other three boys on their mission and is maybe being brought to the dark side by Maddie and her sway over him. I'm kind of here for it. I don't want to smack him. Oh, you're Go here for it? Yeah. Full puppy dog havoc yeah one more summer thought that this issue rocked loved dark x-men mm-hmm. i'm red x baby wants a zazel to meet destiny maybe they'll be friends or frenemies and talk trash about Sabretooth. <laughs> that is an interesting pairing so azazel being nightcrawler's father mm-hmm. destiny being mystique's, mystique's wife, wife right. yes Awkward. they also they also don't want ha- alex to go back with their toxic ex love maddie but they both need different people and i I kind of They're, agree. But maybe, but maybe Maddie will change a little bit because she won't want to destroy Havoc as a human. You know? Maybe. Maybe. I feel like she's just coming into what she wants and maybe is unaware of how that's affecting Havoc. Yeah, maybe. And I think that that, that dream sequence is an interesting point to that. Mm-hmm. Gravel Road cosplay would simp for Maddie too, but I'm not loving this step backwards for Alex's growth. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you, you're just not not here for any of the naysayers care. on the relationship. No, you're not a Havoc fan. I feel fan. like he's happy. This is what he wants. He doesn't want to be in control of his own life. He wants someone to tell him what to do. I mean, he's been in a pretty dark place for the entire Krakoan era, mm-hmm. having come from hellions and and losing control in a couple of different ways maybe his whole life he's been trying to be good trying to live in the shadow of his brother cyclops and be just as good and as him but he's really not and now he's gonna just embrace the dark side of him that he always knew was there and that's why he liked maddie in the first place that's why he liked maddie and not because she was the wife of Cyclops that exactly. living in the shadow of her exactly. brother underscores forever. Yeah, I'm correct. <laughs> <laughs> the Pikachu wants to know our thoughts on Maddie and Alex's relationship. I know it's exaggerated for comedy, but still feels a bit cruel to Alex. Also, why has Archangel been treated so badly since Krakoa? It's funny, but he's the only O5 member treated this way. I think it's interesting. So, yeah, I think you have made clear your feelings on the relationship. Let it ride to see what happens. They're both at least doing some things. Yes. Shakes head, smiles, nods. Yes, of course. You know, I I understand everybody's protests of, hey, this is not a great, healthy situation for Alex. Potentially not even for Maddie to just have someone that would encourage and uh, enable all the things. or, Or at least not dissuade her activity in... Uh, the ruling of Limbo and in this demon space in New York. I think it's interesting. Yeah, I I don't know if I'd say it's cruel because he wants it at the end of the day. He he wants to be in this relationship, even if it's not good for him in the long Mm. run. Uh, It's an interesting dynamic. And I think one that I am excited to see play out. I mean, for me too, like I think at the end of the issue, when Maddie's saying to him, prove it to me, I think she's saying like, You say you love me, me, Maddie, who I am. This is who I am. Prove that you actually love me. I am not a good person. Like, right? I am not Jean. I'm not that. And I think that 
that's kind of my issue is that I don't think that Maddie is hiding who she is. I don't think that she's manipulating Alex. I think she's saying, okay, if you want to be in a relationship with me, like, cool. Except this me for is my who lows. I am. I'm going to do these terrible things. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to be like a mushy, gushy girlfriend. Like, that's not who I am. So, I don't know. I just And I think that everybody's responding that that's not a good thing for Havoc, even if that is potentially what he wants and maybe he's blinded to the fact that this is who Maddie is. Even the point where he's saying, I thought we talked about less on the murder in the streets, right? Yeah, but I just don't think that, I don't know. I like guess he's like lying to himself what about is, who she is. What is coming across, in my opinion, on a, of everyone's concern is that they're blaming Maddie. That they're like, oh, this isn't good because Maddie's bad. But I don't, I don't know that that's it. I just I, I feel think... like Alex is making a decision on his own accord and like... Yeah, that doesn't mean it's a good thing, though, just because he's deciding it. I think that he's blinded by his affection and or the potential for some stability in his life after the rocky road that he's been in. I I agree that it seems like Maddie's getting the brunt end of it and she is the bad influence, which I mean, she is the demon goblin queen. So there is definitely a lot of bad influence on that side of things. But Havoc Havoc is an adult. Yeah, sure, but it's influence from a, a demon sorceress who's the Goblin Queen. I mean, that, that's... If you want to call her bad, you can call her bad, but who's saving people right now? Sure, sure. Maddie. Mm-hmm. Baruzu33 hopes Madeline stays through the fall of X. She's so much fun. Yes. Agreed. I, I feel like this is the big comeback for Maddie to be here and to have a lot to do. She's becoming her own character, and right. she's not just a shadow of someone else anymore. Comic Extracts wants to know who did it best, Maddie or Beetlejuice? Who did it sexiest? And I think that's like with the the denomification, the 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 skull, the, the mercy crown. Maddie. Maddie, yeah, yeah. I Beetlejuice mean, is fine. He had suave. He had jokes. But he's no Madeline Pryor. Yeah, that's for sure. Darren is just a teacher that he knew X-Men characters, but boy, do I need a data page for dark X-Men characters, which I completely understand because... There are some deep cuts in this lineup, but also he wants more of the day in the life of characters, right? Yeah. So those last couple pages of yeah, Havoc, that just a lot. yeah, that that's what I have hoped for the X Men Unlimited stuff to explore what the characters do on their downtime. What I think is interesting too is it seems to be a very frequent thing now that we're doing like after credit scenes in the sure, comics. Sure. Like comics over here's a mini story, and I remember. In a few like past issues I've read for other podcasts, guesting on things and stuff, that that used to be a thing. They yep. would do like the full backup, issue, and then there stories. would be like a backup story. So well, it feels like that's coming back. I feel like it's an easier way to juggle a second plot thread, mm-hmm. right? So not having it intrinsically tied into the main story, but even involving some of the same characters in that backup story, you're able to. Say, hey, no, this is something that's, this is a thread for Havoc, even though it's not maybe coming across in the the first half of the book, that he is trying to find what his purpose is. Mm -hmm. He's not the focus in the first half. That's Maddie, her team, and everybody trying to do what they're doing. But, yeah. Darren also loves Gambit with a beard. Kill No Man is way off the table now, isn't it? Yes. I like Gambit with a beard, too. For sure. Vader Reno shouting it out. Fantasia, we've missed you, girl. (laughs) Alex Summers has never been more the epitome of a Ken than right now. He's trying his best, but he doesn't seem to fit in anywhere. Bless his heart. It's a little bit more of an Alan than a Ken, I think. Oh, Alan. (laughs) 
Also, Goblin Queen from X-Men Blue, love to see her again. Would be awesome to get Bloodstorm back if we could. She'd be perfect on this team. Bloodstorm, Vampire Storm from an alternate universe. Ooh. Ooh, intrigue. Interesting. Ooh. That was a big lineup. That was a, so that was a long many comics. number of comics. But it was a good number of comics. Yeah, it was great. And they were all so good. They were all fantastic. Anything strike you as you're going through them all or, or stick out as we talked through them? I just like really... It's, it's actually really interesting to me to think about what um, Daniel, Comic Extract, said in what I was just about to say was I really love watching... M- murder of orcus yeah and then i'm like why this is not good that i like watching murder i mean like i i think they, i think they're the bad guys that have done some terrible things so you like seeing that i vengeance. like seeing the vengeance but at the same time it's an interesting reflection on you see how the comics are mirroring real life and i obviously want the people who are oppressing people in america right now to to have justice given to them but i'm not interested in like vigilante justice you know which is like a whole it's interesting it 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 really brings up a thoughtful perspective to say like when where does the line between okay well this is a story and this is reality you know because people see a lot of those parallels in their life in the books so then where does that line get drawn and when does it stop? Because right. you keep on upping the stakes on, like, they started at first, they were killing him first, and now right, we're killing right. them. It's like, okay, well, then we're all dead. But, you know, I mean, I did tell Joshua Kassari that I love murder, so I guess. You asked for this. I did ask for this. We have uh, a number of books coming next week as well. Oh, Jiminy Crickets. What are they? Uh, Storm number four. Okay. So a little classic story. Catching up with Deadpool. Ooh, right? Valentine. Uh, it says Fall of X in the box for Deadpool, even though there's been no other mm. indication that he is a part of the Fall of X lineup. So I, I am listing him separate from the other four Fall of X books in addition, right? So The Invincible Iron Man, Ooh. number nine. Jean Grey, number one. Ooh, excited about that one. X-Force, number 43. Ooh. And Realm of X, number one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Realm of X. Yes. Okay. So six books plus a digi. Yeah. Seven books. I mean, less than this week, but still a lot. Still a hefty haul. That's okay. I think we made good time. Yeah, we did. We did all right. For nine books, I think we did good. Yeah. Great. (sighs) Until next time, old friend. Charles on the beach. He's still there crying. Crying over Krakoa. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan.